So welcome into Hoopsville, brought to you by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, as we mentioned. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, dave.mchugh at D3Sports.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's where you can interact with us. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Also simulcasting the show there as well. I want to thank our broadcast partners at Blue Frame Technology for their assistance as well for our broadcasting uh, success, as it were. Uh, lots to talk about tonight, as there always is on a, well, Sunday for starters, but in general this time of year. Uh, this show's got a bit of a conference feel to it, as it were, because, uh, well, for starters, we're going to have a couple of guests on from teams uh, at the top of their conferences and why getting away from their conferences is not the easiest thing in the world. We'll also have Bob and Ryan on the show later, not really to break down the top 25 like we have in the past, and we'll certainly talk about the top 25, but more along the lines of what conference races should you be keeping an eye on, especially on the men's side. We'll also do so on the women's side as well. So again, you can tune in and listen to us however you'd like to do so. You can get a hold of us on Twitter, on Facebook, etc. Simulcasting the show. I'm checking out to see if everybody is in there and making sure we're good. Travis already saying Elmer is very impressive against Wheaton, but Wheaton also looked pretty solid, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get hot over the next month. Well, they might, but the problem is they play in the CCIW, and everybody can get hot in the CCIW, to be blunt. And I'd be less than surprised if suddenly um, Wheaton was a factor. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I think... Um, Wheaton's still piecing things together, but they're going to get up against somebody who's going to be good at any given night, essentially. Even Milliken's been known to not, knock off a good team. So you can get hot, but that, who else? I mean, is the rest of the conference not going to be hot? Uh, I think North Central's certainly showing that the, the early season woes are behind them a bit. You've got Elmhurst, certainly. Um, Illinois Wesleyan's in the mix. Augustana's always well-coached. I can't imagine Carthage is going to take the last few weeks lying down. I have a feeling they'll come roaring back, especially with, I assume, Keenan Baltimore is, is available again at full strength. We'll see. But Elmhurst is coming up on the show. That'll be our second guest. We'll start with Jenna Cosgrove, the women's coach at Rhode Island College. Unfortunately, lost to Mass Boston, which is Mass Boston women's basketball is a crazy squad if you look at it on paper. Um. Lots of wins, but then losses you can't wrap your head around. Uh, but Jenna Cosgrove will explain what happened to Mass Boston um, for her squad and how the Little East will go from there, as it were. Can they dominate that conference? Can they stay in control of that conference? John Baines then from Elmhurst will join us in the NABC Coaches Corner to talk about his squad and the CCIW race. And then... Uh, Greg Mason from Center will join us to talk about the SAA and the challenges in the SAA, of course, as well. It's <laughs> nothing's easy. Um, remember, this is a Center squad that was um, unceremoniously snubbed last year in the NCAA tournament and or from making it to the tournament. So do they have a are they on a mission this year or are they ready to not let that happen again? We'll talk to that. Colonel's group about that, and then Greg Mason, their head coach, will join us. Then Bob and Ryan will talk to us. Top 25 double take. We'll certainly have a quick conversation about the top 25. 
which as quiet as it was on uh, what Thursday's show, it was not so after the fact, and that's on both top 25s. But we'll talk to those guys also about the conference races going on in uh, that you should be keeping an eye on. A couple of notes, uh, some of these off the top of my head more than anything. Hats off to Pat Cunningham, the Trinity, Texas men's basketball coach, won his 500th last night. Congratulations to the friend of the show, Pat. Um, I know he's been looking forward to getting to that mark. We'll hopefully have him on a show in the near future to talk about winning number 500. And we certainly, there's been other milestones as well this week. And uh, we congratulate everybody who's gotten there. Lots of players getting to 1,000 points. We got some others going in for some other marks. Those are always fun to keep an eye out on. If you talk about the top 25 on the men's side, Wittenberg, uh, I don't want to say got steamrolled by Worcester, but it didn't feel as close as the outcome was. 98-86, the 20th-ranked Scots beat up on Wittenberg. Of course, that game was at Worcester. It was Steve Moore's last Worcester-Wittenberg game at home. So I have a feeling there were some emotions on the Worcester side of things, to say the least. That said, it was just about the time I had finally bought in that despite Wittenberg's schedule not being the most amazing in the world, that they were living up to it. Remember, they had beaten Wabash 84-74 earlier in the week. Worcester uh, certainly woke up the world to that, knocked off another undefeated team. I don't know what to make of that. I Maybe the concerns we had about Wittenberg and I certainly had a couple weeks ago were true, but you can't make an, a lot out of one game. Especially nowadays, you can't make a lot out of one game. You can't make a lot out of a rivalry game sometimes. But congratulations to Worcester on that win. Emory took another loss today, this time at Brandeis. We mentioned that it was going to be tough going this week, uh, this weekend for Emory because of weather. Um, I, I, the storm moving through New England. I don't know if it affected Emory in any way, but they lost to Brandeis today, 75-73. Of course, Brandeis team that is playing very well now uh, in comparison to the scandal that they went through a year and a half ago. Um, but that's, an, you know, Emory taking another loss in UAA. That's that's going to raise some eyebrows, to say the least. And Middlebury lost to Colby, 89-82. Remember on Thursday I said this is the chance for Colby to kind of rise up and to the occasion, as it were, have a golden opportunity in front of them. Can they take advantage of it? They did. They won at Pepkin. Not a lot of teams go into Middlebury and win. Colby did. Colby then fouled it up. Or I should say Middlebury sandwiched it, though, with a win over Albertus Magnus early in the week, which we talked about on Thursday, but at least got the win over uh, Bowden, 93-71. Big win for Randolph-Macon. They held Guilford to 39 points in a 64-39 win. So Guilford squad, a lot of us thought really good things about not so long ago. Um, Randolph-Macon made a statement in that one. Platteville got the win over Lacrosse 69-67. Just makes that Wyack race a lot muddier. Remember, Platteville had lost to Stevens Point. I thought Lacrosse was the better team there. That game was at Lacrosse, and Platteville got the win. That's pretty darn impressive. You then have to go all the way down to 14, which is Lacrosse, who takes the next loss, and that's to Platteville. Then you got to jump down to Babson, who lost to Clark. So Babson's had an interesting week. We talked on Thursday about their 18-point comeback against Coast Guard, winning 94-92 in overtime. Then they lost to Clark in overtime, 92-89. Allowed 92 points in both games in overtime. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of Babson now at 12-3. 
Albertus Magnus had a tough game against Colby Sawyer. They barely survived, winning by three. Springfield lost to Emerson 74-70. They defeated Clark earlier in the week 100-65. Yeah, you figure that one out. So Clark loses by 35 to Springfield, 165, and then goes out and beats Babson in overtime 92-89. Amherst lost, lost again. This is their fifth loss now. They beat Bates 85-71, but lost to Tufts 96-78. I mean, you go figure that out. Pomona Pitzer held Cal Lutheran to 48 points to get back in the win column. And then you go to the receiving votes category. Remember, this was a tough squad. You beat Amherst. They lost to Hamilton. I mean, they beat Hamilton. They lost to Suffolk early in the week. I'm, what I'm trying to say is Tufts got back on the, on the horse, as it were, with wins over Hamilton and Amherst. So, whoa, whoa, as they say. Augsburg lost to Gustavus Adolphus. Augsburg is in, in a bit of a rut right now. Hobart had a lousy week. Not only did they lose to Union earlier in the week, they beat Vassar and then lost to RPI. They only put up 53 points against RPI. By the way, Brandeis went 2-0 this weekend. I forgot to mention that. They beat Rochester at the start of the weekend. 74 or 76-54. Really impressive weekend for Brandeis. Men's basketball. Mount Union uh, is now headed towards a behemoth of a game coming up on Wednesday against Marietta. They defeated Muskegon and Otterbein this weekend. Hamilton lost both times this weekend, as we mentioned, Tufts and Bates. Carthage lost twice this week, Wheaton and Elmers. They at least got past Milliken, but it took overtime. So, again, you know, go to that conversation in the, in the CCIW. Okay, Wheaton can catch fire, but who, who are they going to beat? Anybody can beat anybody or it'll nearly beat anybody. On the women's side, number one v. number four, Tufts and Amherst faced off this weekend. Took overtime, not shockingly enough, and ended in a whimper. And ended up being a Tufts win, 48-46. About as big a lead as they had all night. Um, Amherst had a shot at it at the end. Didn't get the shot off, and then the ball just kind of trickled out of bounds off of the mammoths at the buzzer. So the Tufts, so Tufts stays undefeated, but I, I don't know if they're number one. I'll, I'll flat out say it. In the meantime, Bowden beat Prescott this week. Then, as we talked about on Thursday, then came back, beat Williams by 22, and beat Middlebury by 19. It's a Williams squad I thought was back in the hunt, and I'm, maybe they're maybe maybe not. Hope had a good weekend. Amherst, as we mentioned, or week Amherst, as we mentioned, the Tufts lost. Uh, they went two and one on the week. Whitman lost to Pacific. Pacific is the number one team, I believe, in the women's side of things in the uh, Northwest Conference. Because Whitman lost to the Pacific 65-64. Then Whitman went out and beat George Fox 62-54. I, I, I don't know what to make of George Fox, who I thought was one of the best teams I've seen in a while. I, I don't know what to make of Whitman. Whitman, I don't know what to make of that Northwest Conference race. Maybe in the, on Thursday we can get a chance to check that out. Scranton, by the way, who on, on Thursday I tried to say beat De Drew, which I was mistaken about. They had beaten Moravian on Wednesday. They lost to Catholic 65-62. Catholic got the sweep, by the way. They beat both Scranton squads, I think. Now, am I right about that? I'm conflating things there. We're talking women's basketball, David.
So the Drew comment was about men's. I apologize. Getting my my notes backwards. Chicago women lost to Case Western Reserve today. George Fox women, as we mentioned, beat Whitworth but lost to Whitman. Lacrosse, we met, er, mentioned on Thursday, lost to Whitewater, came back and beat Platteville. Austin this weekend lost to Southwestern. I think Southwestern had two wins coming into the game. So Austin's probably going to tumble out of the top 25 with that, though they absolutely put their foot down against Texas Lutheran, 89-59. Gustavus Adolphus women lost to Concordia Moorhead, but then, um, well, let's see, this is, I don't know if that game, oh, we got to check a game here. Hold on, sorry about that. There's a game missing on my sheet here. Uh, Augsburg game. Gustavus Adolphus defeated Augsburg 75-64 in what is an absolutely nutty Mayak race. Nutty. Uh, Bethel's on top, undefeated at 15-0, 10-0 in conference. There's a three-horse race, two games behind them. Augsburg, St. Thomas, and Gustavus Adolphus, all 12-3, all 8-2. And Hamlin, Hamlin is right behind them by a game and a half at 11 and 3 and 6 and 3. So the Mayak women's race is one to watch. Um, Albright lost to, to Messiah after beating Widener this week. Wacky week for Albright. That Mac Commonwealth race at the top between Albright, Widener, and, and Messiah is one to watch on the women's side. Albion lost to Trine. NYU lost to Emory, but beat Rochester. Williams had a rough week, man. They lost to Smith, lost to Bolden, but then got past Colby. Brandeis lost to Emory. Emory and Henry lost to Hollins, at least got back against Eastern Mennonite. These are games, some of these we mentioned already. Smith lost again, this time to Emerson by two. Widener, as we mentioned, lost to Albright, but then beat Hood. Eastern Connecticut lost to Rhode Island College, but as we mentioned earlier, Rhode Island College lost to Mass Boston. Mass Boston lost to Castleton, but beat Rhode Island College. New Geneseo now has two conference teams that have nipped them. Fredonia, they got a win against, then lost to SUNY Paltz, New Paltz, and then beat Oneana. By the way, Mary uh, William Peace still clicking along at 14-2. and two. So lots of craziness on the men's and women's side. The, the conference races are fascinating, and that's one of the biggest reasons why we uh, are keeping an eye on them. Um, Travis John says you're on the money about Hobart dropping the game against Union and RPI. RPI does not have real signature wins, but they're playing really well. And that that was the thing. Travis is nothing about Hobart really bl- stood out to me except for a win over Rochester. But now that Rochester win is losing some luster because Rochester has taken some more hits in the UAA. Good team, but maybe not as good as everybody thought they would be. So it's always tough to be blunt, when you're looking at these things. I decided to wait on Hobart. Travis, I missed your second message. I apologize. Um, You retracted it. Um, I was watching Hobart, but I wanted to see more, and now I'm no longer watching Hobart. So lots lots to figure out, and that's why we have guests on the show, and that's why we have coaches, and that's why we have um, Bob and Ryan on the show as well. Um, so coming up, we'll we'll start with women's basketball with Rhode Island College. Janet Cosgrove can explain what's going on in the Little East Conference. Again, they lost to Mass Boston in what is a fascinating race on the, on the women's side in the Little East. 
Then we'll talk to John Baines out of Elmhurst. What can the CCIW shake out to be? And then center men's basketball coach Greg Mason will join us. And then after all that, Bob and Ryan will help break down conference races for us as well. They've picked out a few races they want to target. We'll take a look at some of the women's races as well, though we've, we've mentioned the Mayak. Um, the, the NESCAC race is, is a no-brainer. Currently, three of the top four teams in the country in the NESCAC. That's not going to stay that way in the new poll. It won't. There's no way Amher stays in the top four. And the only reason I say that is not because they lost to Tufts. I don't think you punish them for losing to Tufts. I just don't think either team display that they're tremendous teams. Listen, Amherst goes and scores 67 points against Wesleyan, but scores 43 against Bates. I think if, if Amherst was better, they'd score more points than that. And I know they're always defensive-minded, but I don't... That, that offense isn't shocking me right now. Eck is good, and, and Fox is good, certainly. Don't get me wrong, but it can't be the Eck and Fox show. On the way, It cannot be. G.P. Gramacki's team cannot be relying on Eck and Fox. And how many, how many rebounds were they going to give up to Tufts on the offensive end for Tufts? The Wyack races are fascinating. The OAC race on the men's side is fascinating. So lots to talk about. So remember, on Sundays, we primarily talk to guests and primarily talk about the regions from the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central. The Thursday show is primarily targeted for Atlantic, I'm sorry, for East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West. It doesn't mean, especially with Bob and Ryan, we won't talk about other things, but guest-wise and targeted-wise, we'll talk about those other things. If you have questions about anything, though, feel free and send them. We'll do our best to answer them, but just FYI, that's kind of where we keep things targeted. We'll take a break. When we come back, talk women's basketball. Jenna Hart, uh, Cosgrove will join us from Rhode Island College. We'll talk New England basketball. We'll talk Little East basketball. We'll talk about her three years in charge of RIC, the anchorman, and see what she thinks is ahead. That's all ahead, plus our guests, plus Bob and Ryan. Lots to break down, and new top 25s coming out. Next week, you might be watching an NFL game. Put it on mute. Enjoy it without some audio and listen to us instead. Or if you're listening to us on demand or through the podcast, we appreciate it. All the same. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. 
Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Mike Meller, head coach of Messiah Women's Basketball and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We really hope you enjoy the show. Back to you, Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us dave.mchugh at D3Hoop, I'm sorry, d3sports.com. The Hoopsville uh, email address not working like we wanted to. I, I, I've almost given up on that email address. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. We're also simulcasting a show on Facebook and YouTube. It's facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, and it's youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Sorry, a little bit of a delay or a lean hesitating. I finally got the Bluetooth devices to work, but now my voice is slightly delayed. The headsets, it's not. That might be a little annoying. Might have to figure out how if we can solve that somehow. All right, so let's talk women's basketball. That's where we'll start. Of course, Northeast region, one of those conferences or regions we talk about. Um, hard to skip the Northeast. We do skip a region 
uh, right now of the four for having a guest on or these shows would go too long. So we try to not skip the Northeast because there's too many going on. But when I looked at the women's side, there's four teams that jumped out of me outside the NESCAC, outside the NUMAC. One of them, well, a couple of them coming out of the Little East. Prior to yesterday at 14-1, 7-0 in conference play, riding an 11-game winning streak was the Rhode Island uh, anchorman. Jenna Cosgrove's team absolutely clicking along, but they ran into Mass Boston. And if you look at what Mass Boston has done this season, you might be confused because Mass Boston has a gaudy record and some crazy results. A loss to Keene State, okay, but they beat Messiah. Lost to Eastern Connecticut, okay, but they beat Mass Dartmouth. I'm not Mass Dartmouth. They bought Rhode Island College. So what to make of them? Well, let's start with the Rhode Island equation. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's Jenna Cosgrove, the head, grow, head coach of Rhode Island. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Um, first and foremost, the loss yesterday is going to sting. I know that. What happened in that game, or is it one of those where conference teams know you best and they got you? Yeah, they, they got us. Um, you know, Coach Bod did an excellent job game planning, and uh, they came in and they executed perfectly, and they took away our, our inside game. They shook us a little. They went zone the whole game, and, um, you know, we had an awful shooting night. And, um, you know, I thought we also came out very flat. So I think it's better to experience that right now. Um, you know, it hurts, but, um, you know, any on any given night, um, someone in the Little East could upset you. Well, that is the truth. Uh, Mass Barston, as we mentioned coming in, has uh, upset some teams already this year. So you knew they were coming in, but it was a low-scoring affair, 45-44. I felt like I was watching an SCAC game a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we struggled for sure on the offense, offensive end. Um, defense is our strength, but we had a really low-scoring third quarter. Um, you know, we just couldn't get it going. Our energy, I mean, I just it wasn't really our identity ourselves. Um, but like I said, they really did execute a great game plan, and, and we uh, we suffered. You guys had, again, been running a pretty nice win streak before that. Interesting enough, the previous loss at Williams, a similar outcome. It was a 47-46 loss to Williams, also a low-scoring affair. Is this one of those things where if we read between the lines a little bit, it's one of those if you stifle your defense, you probably have a pretty good job or a pretty good chance of maybe upsetting you guys a little bit? Yeah, um, you know, the Williams game, yeah, it stinks, too. You know, both losses, obviously, by one point, so they yeah, burned. Um, but, you know, the Williams game, Williams game was a little different in the sense that we walked away, and I thought it was one of our best-played games. It was early on, but we played pretty excellent. Um, they were a very good team. Um, and, you know, I, it was different in the sense this game we walked away. I, I didn't think we executed well hmm. at all. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, the girls obviously had some confidence. We had a huge win Wednesday over Eastern Connecticut State. Sure. Um, so, you know, like I said, I don't, we don't get complacent. We treat everyone, you know, we prepare, we move on. And I don't know if, you know, I think it was good for them because, you know, you can't beat anyone with the amount of turnovers we had. I mean, we yeah. had 24 turnovers <laughs> and really sloppy. So, um, you know, I'm just hoping that better now than later and we move on but it was definitely a sloppy game well something i know you'd also like it back is that third quarter they beat you 20 to 4 now you came back in the fourth and, and outscored them 20 to 4 or 12 to 4 but that that's automatically putting pressure on in those final 10 and if you're turning the ball over too it's a it's adding even more pressure to the ball handlers and everybody else that every single possession at that point is is crucial 
Right, exactly. And our guards who needed to step up that game, I mean, they basically said, we're going to take away your, your two posts and your inside game and let everyone else try and score. And they, uh, you know, we needed them to step up more. It also really hurt us that um, Brooke Young, who's one of our co-captains, junior, was great from the outside. She's just She does a lot for us on both ends, offense and defense. She was out. Um, in the second quarter with a with an ankle injury, so you know, hit some adversity, and and we just we really went down in that third quarter. Sure. Um, one of the reasons that the, the score jumps out of me is you guys defensively are certainly solid. You only have, allow about a tick under forty eight points per game, but you're scoring sixty eight points a game, nearly twenty points better. So it's the offense that I saw get stifled there. It's interesting they decided not to go for the the outside presence. They said, fine, we'll, we'll play the inside game with you a little bit. Normally you're a, a pretty decent outside shooting team, but if there is a weakness, it's probably the outside three-point shooting team uh, uh, game, isn't it? Yeah, we've been a little inconsistent this year for sure um, from, from three-point range. Uh, we've got some great shooters. Um, you know, not just a couple, we have, we have many shooters and they just got to find their confidence. Um, because, you know, I think teams know that we've got powerhouses inside. Wilson McBorough is field goal percentage is, is the best in the conference. Um, she's solid down low. So they've really got to step up. That's something, that's an area that we really got to improve that. And our free throw percentage, uh, really showed our weakness yesterday. Talking with uh, Jenna Cosgrove, the head coach of Rhode Island College. Team is, uh, coach, the good news, you're still 14-2. and two. I mean, that, again, was an 11-game winning streak that came to an end. It's not like it was just so some you know average winning run there. You guys have proven against good teams that you can get back on the horse here a little bit. I assume that's the message to the team moving forward here after the game, but you're still in the catbird seat, for lack of a better description. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is an incredible group. It's my third season now at Rhode Island College, and it's the best mix of kids um, that I've had. I mean, they're the chemistry is great. Um, they're enjoyable to be around. I think the loss is good for us in the sense of telling them, you know, on any given night, anyone can win. You cannot get complacent. I think there's some things we need to do a little bit better and harder in practice. And, um, you know, our defense is, is there. Our offense has to pick up. Uh, just It just shows that, you know, I think – especially in that zone that UMass Boston went. We've got to get a little bit more comfortable. We're very tough to defend in man, and I just, you know, we've got to be a little bit more versatile. The schedule's fascinating. I'm used to, obviously, New England's got a, plenty of to choose from <laughs> in terms of teams. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the Little East is going to give you plenty of games. You've already played eight, so I, I realize there's an element here. But I'm not used to seeing a very only New England schedule. Uh, you have a very only New England schedule even in out of yep. conference, it, it, did it just happen to fall that way, or is there certain certain circumstances that just precluded that from being any more? And don't don't take this the wrong way, more creative. And I just mean because it's not outside New England. Yeah, I mean you got to be a little, um, you know, we're a little restricted. I know, you know, next year, the, and, you know, and depends on the given year. We'll look to do a trip um and get either down south or get away for you know either pre-christmas or post-christmas sure. and, and get us out of the region but you know to stay in new england you, there's so many good games you could get um you know especially with our budget and you know depending on where we what we do around the finals week um you know you can get great games just you know all through new england so sure. you know i think each year year by year it will change where our goal you know now you know 
each year for me, I'm trying to increase the schedule so that we face tougher competition and better chances of a non-conference schedule um, to get us into the NCAA tournament. I just was worried, located in Rhode Island, that you guys maybe there was something at the border with Connecticut and Massachusetts that they weren't letting you leave. I was just worried. That oh, maybe... no, no. <laughs> like, no, you can no, just stay no. where you are. You, you're not traveling yeah. anymore. We're, con- we're actually very conveniently located, uh, to be honest. We're yes. very centrally located within the Little East. So, you know, we're not up in Castle. We're not up in Vermont or Maine where right. we're making these long trips down all the time. We're, we're pretty much in the center. So we, we don't have too many long trips. So I see it as a big bonus for us. No, that is definitely an advantage, especially this time of year when weather. I don't know what you guys got from the storm system that came across the, the country um, this weekend. I know we got nothing that I wanted. Um, we got ice. Um, but I don't know what you guys got. But as a result, you don't have those, as you said, long trips that can really be a burden when the weather turns sideways. Right. Yeah, we, we're lucky. I mean, we're. I think maybe one or once or twice since I've been now at the, at Rhode Island College have we been affected, but uh, not yet so far. So I'll knock on wood. Um, <laughs> sure. But yeah, we've got. You know, when you're looking ahead, though, we do have a couple road games that are extremely hard to play on the road, especially because they're a little bit longer. We still have to go out to Castleton. In Vermont, we still have to go up to Keene State, and those are um, those are those are tough games. Those are tough games on the road, yeah. and so you know I think the team team's looking forward to it, but they know that there's a lot of challenges ahead. Yeah, White and Green Mountains are also a little tricky in the winter as well. <laughs> Though stay for some skiing. Last, <laughs> oh yeah, last year we actually when we were at Castleton, it was our first trip up there. Very tough place to play. Close game to the wire, and then we hit hit snow coming back, so we returned at like three in the morning oh, so we're lovely. hoping this time there's no snow <laughs> yeah that's like well it could be in newfoundland right now um and not even yeah. get your car out if you want um hey the yeah. race you guys are still in, in charge of the race you got a game lead on eastern connecticut or a half game lead they're six and one you're seven and one um and then castleton's behind you at five and two so obviously the games coming up with castleton are going to mean a lot mass boston despite the win those four and three in conference so yeah, it's it's a tough loss, but I'm sure you're going to the locker room going, all right, all right, we took one, but we're still in the top of the conference. We're still in charge of things here. Let's just not let this get to our heads. Yeah, like I said, it was good. I mean, I wasn't happy after the game with how we sure. played because it was not it was not like us. But you know, you take a day and then you move on, and and the loss is good for us. It shows our weaknesses. I mean, every game will show your strengths and weaknesses, but that one really showed our weaknesses and. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to just moving on, and, and, and we play Wednesday. So, The last few years in this conference, it's been the Mass Dartmouth show. Uh, last year, 22-5, and 14-2 in conference. Eastern Connecticut has been up there. Obviously, back in the heyday of this conference, it was all about Southern Maine. What does it yep. mean to get this program at this juncture, at least into the conversation, or at least atop the conference? You got a you know, good season last year at 18-9. and nine. No knock on it. You, you turned the program around. You were 9-17 and 17 not too long ago. But what does it mean to not only be at the top of the conference, but you're now the, the head of it? It's, Mass Dartmouth's not there, and Southern Maine's not there. It's, it's you guys. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it feels great, and I give a lot of credit to uh, Jordan Govin, who's been a captain uh, for the program ever since I've been there, and Brooke Young. She's been a two-time captain. The two of them, it's just been myself and the two of them since I started and a lot of it's changing culture, and it takes time yeah. um, bringing in new kids. And, you know, last year we, we definitely had a lot more talent than my first year, but the culture was still evolving. We didn't have the right kids altogether. Um, and this year it's special. It just has a different feeling. Um, the kids are more determined. 
uh, they see, you know, you had to teach them how to win the first couple of years, and now it's like it kind of came all together full circle. And there's a lot of firsts this year for myself and for Jordan and Brooke and, and the program since I've taken over. We, we hadn't taken down Southern Maine or EastCon or Dartmouth um, ever in the regular season. Right. So we've definitely taken so many steps forward. Um, and it's been, you know, we're doing it one day at a time. And, uh, we, you know, I think they see, you know, they, they see themselves playing at the top, being at the top and being at a championship, whereas last year, definitely the first year, but last year it was, it was more of, oh, let's, let's creep our way up. So it's, it's a great feeling. <laughs> well, let's, let's, again, your first year there, 9-17, and 2-12 and 12 in the conference. Last year, flipped. I mean, mirror flip, 18-9. and nine. You, had, you had nine wins by the time you were done with the 2018 part of the schedule last year. Um, and, and you went to the Christmas already knowing you were at nine wins. You're now at 18-9, and nine, and now you're at atop the conference at 14-2. and two. The, the steps, well, obviously you had to teach them to win. They clearly learned quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've got, we've got pieces that have extremely, you know, helped to do that. I'm, and then I, I, this is the year where there's the pieces have all kind of come together. Sophia Garrier is a force. Getting her was huge. She came to us wanting to be academically challenged more than at the school she was at in New Jersey. Uh, she's a 4.0 student. She is just a guard you don't see um, a lot in Division Three, And she's from Boston originally. Um, and Wilsha McBurrow, I mean, she was Rookie of the Year last year. So you get the, you get the pieces. Uh, and, you know, Jordan Gobbin, who's been a staple for the program, her and Brooke Young, you know, Jordan has done so much. Last year she was a kid that was all of a sudden there were about 12 freshmen, and it was Jordan was trying to lead them all. Um, there hasn't <laughs> been a core key of returners, and this year there's been more of that. Uh-huh. So it's been more of that complete package. Um, and, you know, and, and you know, just speaking about Jordan for a second, she's not a natural point guard, but right now she's she's doing everything we ask of her, and she's playing that position. And you know, having I think she she's five assists a game, and she's one of the leading um, guards in the conference for steals. So the kids are all stepping up. It just—it's something. It's really special to see. Uh, it's certainly stepping up. You got two players in double figures. Thirteen and a half points for Sophia. Uh, we'll see. A, um, McBurrow has twelve points, and then eight points each for uh, Fatia and 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 uh, Jordan, uh, leading rebounder. By the way, Fatia, she's eleven. I mean, she's she's nipping at a double double here as well. You're getting contributions from a lot of different places. We might only see two scores in double figures, but you got five who are going to probably put up some points on any given night. You've got those hitting the boards. you got assists. It feels very balanced to me. Yes. Uh, Fatea is um, the heart, soul, and glue to this year's team, <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. She is the new – she brings the grit every day. So you, she won't put up a lot of numbers and scoring, but that kid is unstoppable on the boards, and she just – she's she's got this fire in her that we needed – I brought her in to help Jordan lead as two seniors. We were because we were still we're still very young, um, and man, she's special. She is a she is someone we really needed. She's a glue, um, and it makes us very tough to defend with her and Wilsha, um, you know, down low in that front court. They are they are two solid big bodies. They are strong. They are tough to defend, and they are extremely good on defense. Um, so, but you're right. We don't have anyone that's scoring, you know, 20 points a game. We are very well balanced, uh, and it's just, and they all, you know, they all work well together. Sure. 
Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you got to, to Rhode Island College. We should point out you're an Endicott grad, 20, uh, 2009. So you've got D3 in your roots, certainly. You're from the Boston area, grew up in Sharon, which is southwest of Boston, I think. Um, yep. So you certainly know the area, Foxborough and all that, and, and not a surprise. But you went and, and left for Fordham for, what, about five years, if I read correctly? Um, I was there for seven years. Seven. See, I didn't read correctly. So seven years there yeah. at Fordham where you got the D1 bug, as it were. What was the drawback, not only to D3, and I can get it if you want a head coaching job, maybe that's where you thought the right the right direction is if you want to coach. But more importantly, why back to almost your roots? You know, I, I took a leap of faith when I was about 22. I spent the year after I graduated from Endicott trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And coaching's always been in my blood. And I was kind of playing around with going to Fordham or going, you know, being like a D3 assistant. And mm. I was, I learned, I, I was at Fordham and I ended up working for two different bosses and working my way up. I was on the admin side as a director of ops, I was an assistant coach. So once I once I spent a long time there learning all aspects of the game, you know, the Bronx and, and New York City is really not really not me. Um, I, so I, I hear that a lot from Bostonites. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of heat, especially about the Patriots and the Red Sox for sure. But I'm not really a city kid, and um, you know, I spent my time. I did my time and. You know, after, you know, I, I was there, like I said, for about seven years, I, I was, I knew I wanted to get back home. My family, I'm very close to my family, uh, my grandparents, and um, that's just, ultimately, my goal was to get back home, and I, I did have that desire to be a head coach, and I, obviously, playing D3, I knew the special aspect of being a D3 student athlete, and yeah, this job opened in about June, took a while with the process, but I jumped on it quick. I jumped on it quick. I, I grew up about 30 minutes from Providence. Yeah, not too far. And um, yeah, so I, you know, it was, it almost felt like it was a, the perfect situation. And I waited it out. And um, about in August, I got an interview. So it was a long waiting period. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty long. By the way, it's yeah. also easier to fly in and out of Providence than it is out of Boston. We all know that too. So uh, yes, you, absolutely. You definitely made it probably a better choice. Uh, in terms of that, back to this season, to be blunt, were you expecting this from this squad to be at the top of the conference, 14-2 and two at this point, having just had an 11-game winning streak? Or are you guys playing with a little bit of house money? Um, I knew we were going to be good. I knew okay. this group was special. Um, but I, I can't tell you, I didn't think we'd be 7-1 we'd be and one in conference. Our <laughs> conference is very strong. Yeah. So um, we've... we've They've definitely surprised me. I think they've surprised themselves. But now there's like an expectation. So it's it's amazing to see. It's, it's I love that they have the confidence. I'm also a little glad we lost now that I was so pissed yesterday. Um, but I think in the long run, it will help us out. Well, I'm glad we're talking to you today. Um, though yesterday yeah. would have been fun. I, I, we might have gotten a different yeah. perspective and things. Uh, two I didn't have a voice yesterday. Well, that yeah, I can I can I can suspect that. Uh, two game, two yeah. more home games here, then three the next four on the road. Then you'll finish with uh, two of three at home. How important is the home side of this as well? Yeah, it's important. We were undefeated at home, obviously, until yesterday, and um, you know I think we've got this Wednesday and Saturday as our last weekend home games so they're huge they're huge um it's also important too especially these next two because the kids start classes 
on Tuesday. They've had a really long break. So they've got to really value, you know, they, their, their time is valuable now. So they've got to really take advantage of that home court. Awesome. Coach, appreciate the time. We will probably be catching up somewhere down the road, but congratulations nonetheless, even with yesterday's loss. Congratulations on the season so far. We'll be keeping an eye on the Little East, too, and we look forward to seeing what, what transpires. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts to those who may be tuned in? Um, no, just check us out and keep an eye on us. Perfect. Thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Take care. Jenna Cosgrove joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, lost to Bass, Mass Boston, ends a, an 11-game winning streak, but if there's a team that's going to win that I'm not shocked by, it's Mass Boston, despite what their numbers say. They have, they've had some interesting wins this season. Uh, they've got Regis ahead, then Plymouth State, then ho- away at Mass Dartmouth. That's a big game. And then home against Castleton. That's a big game then Southern Maine, and then Mass Boston. So there's that stretch there after Regis and Plymouth State where they're going to have Dartmouth, Castleton, Southern Maine, Boston, then Eastern Connecticut. So there's a stretch still ahead. This Lily's race, obviously far from over. They've only got a one-game lead to begin with. But this is going to be a great race to watch the rest of the way. We thank Jenna Cosgrove for joining us here on the show. A couple quick notes before we take a break. Sorry, Ellen, didn't see these earlier. You said weather had nothing to do with Emory's loss today. Just for the record, I didn't think the loss had anything to do with, or the weather had anything to do with why Emory lost. I'm saying we mentioned that Emory might have some weather trouble. He said the Boston-New York route was only under a weather uh, winter weather advisory. Uh, Emory traveled on Saturday morning to Boston. Brandeis blowout victory versus Rochester was more of a predictor of Sunday's action. Okay, I don't disagree. I'm not saying that the weather has a factor. I'm just saying that the weather... In the, in the outcome, I'm just saying weather can be a factor in, in terms of stress. Um, I went up to see NYU um, when I thought the Kohl Center was closing that season and closed the next year, and I saw WashU there, and they I was going to go on to New England, and I don't mind a bad winter travel. I, I was going to go on to New England to see some games that weekend, changed my mind because of the weather, not because I didn't want to deal with it, but I just didn't want to get stuck up there in New England, something goes sideways, and it was going to get harder to get back. So I diverted into northern Pennsylvania and northern New Jersey to see some games instead. So I just know, and, and you know, uh, NYU was out Saturday morning too, but they were dealing with some bad weather. I just realized that can sometimes just be a headache. So I'm not saying that Brandeis won because of the weather or anything like that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm simply saying that I can see that this was going to be a tough trip for Emory, likely, because the weather could play a role. That's all I was trying to say, logistics side of this. He goes on to say today was also Brandeis Alumni Family Basketball Day and Brandeis Faculty Staff Appreciation Day, which is always nice. Justin uh, Lunt, I'm going to get back to your comment here in a bit. Going to take a break. When we come back, John Baines will join us from Emerus, Emerst, ooh, Elmhurst Men's Basketball to talk about his team and the CCIW race, which is – also a doozy this season. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, 
a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. It is the 19th of January. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Some of you already have, and we appreciate it. You can also email me, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. I don't believe anybody has done that as of yet. Nope, I, just, I, I take that back. Tom Mitchell has sent us something. Tom, I'll take a look at it a bit. Rick, I did see a, a message from you that looked like a lot to get through. I'm not sure I'll get to it till after the show. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show along as we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. 
And if you want to chat in those chat rooms, go ahead. Uh, the only thing I, I know with our current setup with Blue Frame technology is we don't have a chat room with it. But we have all these other ways to chat with us, so take advantage of them. All right, one of the races we always talk about uh, in, in Division Three basketball on both the men's and women's sides, the CCIW race in the Central Region. We, the one thing we know for sure is there will not be an undefeated team in the CCIW men's race. But then again, we haven't seen an undefeated team, I believe, in my lifetime in the CCIW men's race. Um, and that was taken care of already uh, much earlier this season. It's done and dusted. But one of the teams, I think, maybe was flying a little bit under the radar, as it were. I'm going to have to look up the CCIW coaches poll earlier in the season. But, you know, with the success of Augustana over the years, with North Central coming on, with what Wheaton did last year, Illinois Wesleyan always in the conversation. I don't think anybody looked at Carthage. I don't think anybody was looking at Elmhurst. Both have impressed. Elmhurst, though, continues to impress. They have one loss on the season. They are 15-1. and one. That one loss to North Central, which is why we won't have an undefeated team, in the conference. They are playing extremely well, and I am thrilled to say that joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Skype hotline is the head coach of the Elmer's Blue Jays. It's John Baines. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time, and congratulations on the season so far. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, I, I'm again, I forgot to look it up before to start in this segment, so you can correct me here, but you can also let us know the reality. Did you guys expect to be in the position you're in now, not only on top of the conference, but with only one loss on the season, or did we just miss something completely coming in, especially us national folk? You know, I think it was a combination of both. We were picked fifth in the league. Um, you know, I... I felt like going in, I felt like we had a really good team. Um, I, you just never know in our league because, you know, we've had good teams before that have finished in the middle of the pack and you get done with the year and you're like, man, I, I thought we were pretty decent. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, I think we thought we would be good. Um, I thought that we had the best guard in the league. And anytime you have that, you always have a chance to win. And uh, yeah, so I thought we were going to be good. And, you know, we've had some big breaks. Um, you know, we had a big win versus Oshkosh. Um, yeah. you know, that was a good starting point for us. You know, Derek Dotlich throws in a 40 footer at Carroll the other night, you know, you, yeah. you to, to win by one, you know, so you, you have some things that go your way, but, um, but yeah, I thought, I thought we would be in the hunt. Yeah. We should point out this, this got rolling early in the season. You also have a win over St. Norbert by 25, which now looks more and more impressive the way St. Norbert is playing this season third game out you defeat Oshkosh the defending national champs now Oshkosh may not be what we thought they were going to be but it for you guys that was at Oshkosh too that had to be a huge shot in the arm as it were moving in not only to the rest of the season but you also probably figured we can play with anybody Oh yeah. I mean, you got to have one of those or two, you know, it's especially at the beginning of the year, you, you, you got to get the ball rolling. And we felt like we were playing real, to be honest with you, the, the, the game that really kind of got us going was our first exhibition. We played the university of Indianapolis hmm. and they're a very good D two team. And we led for probably about 38 minutes and, and lost by one or two. And I think we got done with the game and we were kind of like, Hey, we think we can be pretty good. And, um, so and the, and the pieces have gone together right, and we stayed relatively healthy, and you know all that kind of stuff has to happen. But that Oshkosh game, I think for us, um, we said, well, you know, I don't think we're going to be playing anybody any better than that, you know, come because I think they're pretty good, and uh, um, and so it gave us some confidence. 
Also went over Wabash before you started CCIW play. Wabash was highly regarded coming into the season. They're not having the as season as we expected, but still, these are games that for a lot of us, we started taking a look. Yeah, lost to North Central, as you pointed out, but from then, it's you shook it off. Uh, had a trip out west, beat Laverne and Caltech, came back home, beat Illinois College, Principia, uh, and then that thrilling game against Carroll. Talk to us a little bit about that game, because as you point out, not only a Hail Mary to win it, um, but a double overtime game to boot. That that thing had everything written all over it uh, to start the January side of things. Yeah, if you haven't watched Carroll play, you're going to see an extremely well-coached, hard hard playing team and and you everybody it's not we didn't take them lightly at all we we went up there knowing that and uh, they throw a lot of defenses at you they run a lot of sets they play their tails off and uh, Paul really knows what he's doing and um, we were in a hard-fought game they played well and uh, and Derek you know and people don't realize this he he made this 35 40 footer our guys, you know, you know, before practice, they do a lot of that where yeah. they're shooting those shots. And, and I know it sounds really stupid after the fact, but um, if there's anybody that can make that shot, it's him. And he did that last year versus North Central, and he's done it in the past. And um, I was kind of one of those where, like, I know I didn't expect him to make it, but <laughs> I expected him to make it. Type yeah, of. no, I get it. I see, I see teams do that all the time. So there's always one you start to notice is the guy who or the gal who can definitely hit that shot versus a lot of others. But you you it, you didn't let off the gas. You beat Augustan at home, beat North Park at home, went on the road against Carthage and Wheaton this past week, got wins. Now, none of these have been easy. They've no. all been close, but it's CCIW play. I'm not overly surprised by that. I'm more impressed with the fact that you've only let that North Central game be the blemish so far. You've, you've made sure to get the job done at the end. That can reap rewards in so many ways moving forward. Confidence, knowing you're in any game, uh, obviously the wins help. That's That's got to be beneficial, even if you do take another loss. Yeah, you know, you, you say you, we bounced back and we stayed hungry. Why wouldn't we? I mean, they picked us fifth. You know, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of go in there and you say, hey, fellas, they they still don't think we're there yet. You know, and, uh, you know, the thing I like my about my guys is they've got a nice little edge to them. Uh, we got, you know, I, I think the latest polls came out and we were 10 in the nation and they mm -hmm. were wondering why we were behind a couple of teams. And so <laughs> I think, you know, and I kind of looked at them and I'm like, you know, this is why we're where we're at, because you guys have you guys have it in your minds that we're better than the teams we're playing. And, um, and that's, it, it's a humble confidence. I don't think anybody's cocky about it, but I sure. think they, I think our guys really believe that if we play like we're supposed to, we're, we're going to beat sure. everybody. No, it makes sense. Um, not that last year has a lot to do with it anymore, but you were 12 and 14 last season, 13 and 12 yep. the year before. It's been a couple of years since we saw a 20 win season out of this program. So I know that they probably had a lot to prove to themselves to some degree. Where was the changing point with this, with this unit? Was it this season or was there a point last year that you saw things starting to come together? Well, I, you know, to take a, a, a big step back, you know, we, with those 20 win teams that had gone to the tournament and were good, you know, we, we had nine seniors on that team and the, the top nine players and they all right. graduated at once. And, and we, you know, coaches always have the ability to, to get some transfers and that sort of thing. We, we, got, we, we got a full group of freshmen and we played them. And so uh, I felt like the first year or two out from that, um, 
we were probably going to take some lumps. I mean, there were times I, we were at Illinois Wesleyan down 10 and we had five freshmen on the floor and the assistants were like, you know, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? What's going on? We should be clapping. You know, we're, we're only down 10, you know, and so it, uh, you know, we, uh, I felt like, to be honest with you, I felt like this season was should have been last year. Um, it, it's taken a little bit longer than I wanted it to, but um, you know, there's there's patience and there's passion. And if you only have patience, you're never going to get anything built. And if you have passion and you just that's all you have, you're you're going to destroy your walls. And so I think it's been a combination of those two things. And um, and I think now it's finally come to fruition. <laughs> Destroy your walls. I like that part of it. That's that's good. Um, it's, the one thing I did notice about last year, which was tough, you guys won nine of your first 13 games of the season. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some big wins in there. Benedictine um, was one of those. Buena Vista, which this year is obviously looking very different. You beat Carthage, and you beat North Park, and you beat Marietta 76-72 uh, right around the Christmas holiday out in Phoenix, and you beat Lacrosse. You beat Carroll in January, and then it, it came unglued. You only won two games the rest of the way, that or three games, I apologize. That can put a lot of negative energy into the offseason. To see you guys where you are now, I think that's the most impressive. It's almost like last year didn't happen. Yeah, you know, we it, <laughs> the record, I don't think, was an, was an indication of our ability. And, and I mean that sincerely. Sure. There were a lot of close games there. You know, and right now we're winning some of those one, those right. close games. You know, we lost at Augie. You know, we lost to Wheaton three times, and, and we were ahead at half both times. You know, we lost to North Central where we were ahead 18 at half at their place, and we lost. And just we, we – we didn't know how to close games and, um, or we weren't, we hadn't figured it out yet. And yeah. so I was sitting, you know, you look at that and you say 500 team, but we, we were, I thought we were better than that. And I think the players up there better than that. And to, you know, we really, that, um, that Oshkosh game for us was big because we had a lead the whole game and, uh, they came back, you know, and we knew mm-hmm. they would, but they came back and favorite hit some shots and, we were able to pull it out and that was the thing that we were unable to do the year before. And I think that if there was any confidence that we got from that game, it was, okay, this is a new season. We're, we're winning these games now. Yeah. And the only thing I thought took from last year before we move on to this, to more of this year was the fact that, yeah, close. And, and trust me, I'm, I come from a team that the record had nothing to do with how good we were, but you can get beat up in those games. Your, your mental side of things can take a beating if you can't pull off those games and I'm I was I've seen it from some teams this year especially that I've been close to and so that's what I'm noticing is it feels different in the terms of an attitude you kind of alluded to it now you're winning those you'll appreciate this I don't know if you're a Cubs fan or not but the year they won the World Series they were winning close games they were coming from behind they were getting tight wins they were winning late in innings I'm getting that sense with you guys that you're like, it's 40 minutes, guys. We still got two more minutes to play. Let's go. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. So I'm, you're like, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm losing your connection, right John. <laughs> John, I'm losing you. No, I'm kidding. There. Go ahead. <laughs> the, uh, no, I, uh, no, you know, you're right. We, we, the, the guys do have that confidence. You know, there's, you know, we're older, too. I mean, Jake Rohde is a redshirt senior. Uh, Derek Dotlich is a senior. LeVon Thomas and Nick Perry are juniors. And Jay Militello, our, our other starter, is a redshirt senior. 
Um, you know, you just got older guys, you know, and, and they've been around me a long, long time now. And I think there's something to be said for that is that, you know, those, those first couple of years, you don't know who should be shooting. You don't know who's going to be playing right. They don't know you very well. Um, our guy, we have a relationship now where the guys know me, they know what the reaction I'm going to give. <laughs> I know how to talk to them. Um, they know what to say to me to help. And, um, you know, all those things go into the huddles and that sort of thing. And it just makes for a good culture. Uh, a couple of things I've noticed about your team. Let's talk about them individually in terms of scoring. You mentioned a bunch of the guys, Jake Rhodes leading the team at 20, really 21 points a game. He's at 20.9 hands out. Also though, 4.3 assists a game and shoots basically 50% from the floor and 45% from deep. But then you got, uh, dot, Dalich, uh, yes. 16 and a half points a game. He also shoots 40 plus from beyond the arc and don't put him on the free throw line. He shoots 95% from there. Thomas is at 14 points a game, nine rebounds. So he's flirting with a double double. He also yep. shoots well from the floor at 53% though. Go ahead, put him on the line. Um, but you got other guys. You, you mentioned uh, Militello, eight and a half points a game. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Genko, six and a half points a game. The guys are... You've got a lot of different options there, and overall you're shooting 47% from the floor. That's a dangerous equation if I'm looking to match up with you defensively because everyone's good. Yeah, we've we got a lot of good players. You're right. They uh, know a lot. You know, Jake, to start with, um, if you haven't seen him, he, he is he is one of the best guards in the nation. And, and I, and I think any coach that plays against just comes and says the same thing to me. And, um, and, and he's just, he's just really, really good. And, uh, Derek is a premier shooter. He shot 45% from three last year and he can make tough shots. And so, you know, between those two, they're really scoring. And then Levon Thomas didn't come out and he didn't come out of nowhere. He he's been a highly, high potential guy for the last couple of years, but has not gotten on the floor. He's had some weight issues and that sort of thing. And, um, had knee surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, he lost, he's lost a ton of weight. He got okay. himself in shape, had a great summer. And, um, and so he, he's totally transformed to himself. And, uh, you know, and like, like Jay Militello, weird story on him. He, he was playing D two baseball on scholarship at Lewis. And, uh, decided to quit playing baseball, came as a transfer to play basketball with us last year and uh, super bright guy. And, you know, last year was his first year back in basketball in three years. And so now he had, a, this was the first year he kind of had an off season and he worked on his game and he's our best defender or one of them. And he's great rebounder and energy guy. And then, you know, the other guys we have are playing roles, but they're very good at the roles they're playing. And, um, and so it's a really the pieces are fitting together is what I'd say. One other thing that jumps out at me, and, and maybe I've got it misread, but I'm just looking at the roster, and so I see the the, the heights as it were in the roster, whether what, what they are or not. But there's only four guys six six or taller, and only one of them is taller than six six. He's at six nine. Um, uh, that's uh, um, Rabbit Job, uh, who we, who we haven't even. Abraham Job. Abraham, yes. thank you. I knew I was going to yeah. screw that up. Uh, we haven't <laughs> even talked about. So really, you're not a large, quote unquote, team in the sense of height. A lot of six foot, six foot three guys who can obviously you can do a lot of different things with them. But it's not a I don't want to say prototypical either, but 
It's not like you're going to put a guy in the in the in the post and back him down. You're not going to necessarily have a guy on his off wing. You have a different look to you. It feels. We do. We're not a prototypical CCIW team, and we didn't plan on being one. And uh, and I say that sincerely. Uh, sure. We went into the season, and I, uh, you know, we 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 did get the a good thing. We went to Spain last May with yeah. the returner yeah. in our foreign trip, and that you, I think, any coach knows that that really helps you jumpstart stuff. You get to you know look at things, and uh, we went over there on a twenty four second shot clock, and we were running up and down scoring. And I said, okay, this is it. This is this is how we're playing, you know. And we said we're going to play a little smaller. Um, and if I think anybody that's seen us play would say that our our offensive transition is 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 really really good. We have our flaws, but um, sure. if we can get stops, um, we can really run it out. And um, I think that that's really caused some problems for some teams because you know they're thinking, okay, we're going to you know, beat the hell out of you. And then we get a stop and it's to the other end. And um, you put, that's how you kind of put those runs together. And, and we're kind of a spurt team. And so we, a lot of times there's about a 10 minute stretch where we get the stops and we get the run outs kind of like we did last night versus Wheaton. It was a tie game. And then uh, we got it up to a 15 point lead and then it kind of well <laughs> melted away a little bit, but you know, those spurts are, are what's winning us these games. Uh, before we let you go, talk to me about this conference. Obviously, we know it's a tough one to win, and we and we know it's a, it's a free for all. Only four teams make the conference tournament. Uh, you guys are sitting tied atop the conference standings, though technically uh, North Central's got you by the tiebreaker currently. Mm-hmm. Um, you're got you're on the road this week, uh, or I'm sorry, you're home this week against Illinois Wesley, and then next two on the road against North Park and Augustana. Then four of the last six will be at home. Yep. Is are you in a good position here? Obviously, you got a, a repeat with North Central, though it's at their place. Yep. Or is are there bigger things to be playing for? You know, well, you know, there's well now they, we've changed it, so now there's six teams in oh, the conference. Thank you. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. Right. So it. Um, so yeah, I'll tell you what. There's going to be one really good seventh place team. I can tell you. Yeah, it, that's it, true. It is really good right now. Um, you know the. I don't know. You know, our. I, I'm one of those guys that just looks at the next one, and I don't, sure. I don't think our guys have gotten too far ahead of themselves. I, I, I think for us, you know, we've we had we had not won at Wheaton in ten years. I mean, we've had wow. we've beaten them before, and but but it's been a while since we've beaten them at their place. And Augustana, um, this group that I have right now, had not beaten them. Um, you know, they've had this run, and we just hadn't been able to get them. Yeah. And, you know. There's, I think for our guys, it's not like, hey, we're trying to win the league, and we are, but I think right now it's like, hey, we're going to try to do something we haven't done before. You know, this team, we have never at Elmhurst had a team that has gone undefeated in the non-conference, and we've had some really good teams, but they, we've always stubbed our toe on one team, and they said, we, we got that. You know, it's like, I think it's for us, it's just been, let's do this, let's get this one, let's do, let's do something that we haven't done before, and um and I think that's working for us right now. And we're just kind of putting one foot in front of the other. And then hopefully we'll get where we need. Well, John, I appreciate the time to join us. I know there's a long road still ahead. This game, this ain't over, as they say. But you've certainly, as you pointed out, knocked a lot of chips off, as it were, winning at Wheaton, beating Augustana. You're, you're undefeated in non-conference. You guys have had a tremendous season. And I applaud you, uh, to Thank say you. the least. Yeah, you guys might be 10 now, but keep Keep plugging, as we say. You'll you'll get up there. Um, as always, we we have a, a we leave the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? 
You know, I, I, I want to tell you, thank you for, for what you're doing there because, you know, I, having been, I played at Wesley in, in, in nine, in the nineties and watching where it's, where it was then and where it's, it's now and the coverage and, and even how the kids and recruits get to see D3 basketball. Uh, I think the respect level has gone way, way up. And I think a lot of that goes to your credit. And uh, I want to say thank you for, for what you do over here. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it. It's obviously a team effort from our point of view, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, good luck the rest of the way. Looking forward to watching how you guys do the rest of the way. And I know we'll be talking about the Blue Jays. And personally, someday you and Johns Hopkins have got to play against each other so I can just see the Blue Jays and Blue Jays with mascots that look almost identical and logo, all of that. I got to see it someday. Just make me happy. Would you mind? Uh We'll, we'll do that. If the Cardinals win the World Series, I'll let you do it. Oh, then that's never going to happen. That's unfortunate. <laughs> John, thanks so much. Actually, funny story. Uh, I work for Major League Baseball in the quote-unquote offseason, and I am now in the clubhouse. You all can read into that. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, I was in the Cardinals clubhouse, and I figured I'd walk out of it the same way I felt as a Cubs fan about the Cardinals. Um, they're nice people there. I, I, I came out liking them. It, it's horrible. <laughs> Adam Rainwright's a really nice guy. I, I don't like it. I don't like feeling that way, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I got you. I mean well, that seriously, know. though. Good team. Very nice. Thank you. Hey, John, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. John Baines joining us on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on the Skype edition. I mean that. I, I actually liked St. Louis. I couldn't believe it. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll keep talking men's basketball with Greg Mason, men's basketball coach of center in the SAA. We're a little bit behind, so we'll jump to get to him. And it's still ahead. Um, we'll, we'll talk to uh, Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. Talk a little top 25, but more on this conference conversation. Tom Mitchell's question was regarding the fact uh, of Augustana's chances in the CCIW. Tom, stick with the show. It's a topic coming up for Bob Ryan and myself. I promise you. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops Hope after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. 
the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening, the 19th of January. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoopsville. I'm sorry. Email us, dave.mcq at d3sports.com. The Hoopsville one is not working again for some reason, and it's not my forte. Um, you can also join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And don't forget, you can also join us on YouTube where we're simulcasting a show, youtube.com slash D3 So, But if you're watching us on the Blue Frame Technology um, system or the Team One Sports app where you're watching us on the big screen, uh, whether it's Amazon, Roku, um, Android, or Apple TV, don't leave those for those other options. Use either social media or email and send your questions in and banter with us accordingly. Let's talk about the uh, South region now. We'll jump into the SAA. If you look atop the standings, um, not surprisingly, it's center. Center has been one of those teams that I think has been in the conversation quite a bit at the top of the SAA over the years. By the way, my head tends to block it, but there is a center uniform back there in the number two, three. We'll try and reposition ourselves slightly to get that center uniform a little bit better situated or maybe move some unis around, but uh it, it, it's, it has a special place in our hearts, and so we love talking to center. Uh, one of the great places I got to call games in my D3 career. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is their head coach of the Colonel's men's program. It's Greg Mason. Coach, thanks for joining me on the show. Yeah, hey, Dave, man. It's, it is always a pleasure talking to you. 
Oh, I appreciate that. Even when it was so bitter last year? I'm sorry, what was that? Even when it was so bitter last year? Well, it, talk about uh, the, the uh, not getting in the, the tournament. It's just missing out part. Um, yeah, you you, you yeah. even enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, I did, and and it's uh, you know that was that's tough, and you know I know the committee has tough decisions to make and things like that, and I would not want to be in their shoes. And we just had a really good team last year, twenty three and five, oh, yeah. four losses uh, to twenty one teams. One of them being Augustana, yeah, uh, who was who was a mid major D one team last year. So we thought we had a fantastic year, and then just uh, for whatever reason, we didn't make it in the tournament. So it happens. Well, let's start with it. You're sixteen and two this year, and six and one. We'll get to that. I did want to talk about last year though um and by the way folks just so you know off the air greg was who was swearing up a storm about not making the tournament i kid greg I, i'm totally <laughs> kidding um 23 and 5 12 and 2 I, even for us came down to the end i know you and i talked i'm not trying to give anything away here necessarily but you and i were going back and forth quite a bit that weekend and i remember at one point feeling very confident and you noticed i started losing a little bit of that confidence Right. Is, is that season driving you guys, or did you did you guys take anything from that season and go, you know what, we need to understand, A, our circumstance, but B, make some changes? And I'm leaving that basically open to you. What has last year, where are we seeing that moving forward? Yeah, well, Dave. In all honesty, we we don't talk much about it because it's it's a little bit of a you know, a little bit of a wound there that uh, twenty three and five, and again four losses to, to twenty win teams. And uh, but we just you know like today we played Rhodes and just really talked about hey let's play to a standard, uh, let's remove all doubt and let everybody know that we're one of the better teams in the country, which we we think we are. But you know I know there's probably about fifty sixty others out there who think the same. And you know the the thing that's uh, just so tough in the South. And I think if you were to talk to Josh Merkel at Randolph-Macon, Jason Zimmerman at Emory, uh, Chris Graves, Birmingham, Southern, whomever, um, it's harder for us in the South to schedule non-league games that boost our SOS while also taking into account you know, a budget uh, in a very trying economy, taking into account uh, college class miss rules, taking into account travel. So it's just something that we in the South have to deal with uh, in a much tougher way than maybe somebody in the Northeast or sure. somebody in Wisconsin or the CCIW. And it, it just is what it is. I mean, you know, Division One. I'm sure uh, there's leagues that uh, have these conversations about how can we increase our SOS, but it's tough. It yeah. really is. Looking at last year, Augustana, as you pointed out, was on there. Unfortunately, not the result you wanted. You had WNL, which is not too far away for you guys on the other side of the mountains. TCNJ certainly in there. You played that game uh, at WNL. Um, Transylvania in the mix. But when I look at this year, I see uh, uh, Greenville. I see Case Western Reserve. I see Wabash and Transylvania in your first four right. games. I do see Boyce. We can talk about that maybe down the road. But I also see Marymount. Um, and then Transylvania a second time. So I do see a few differences there. I, I realize your schedule may have been done and dusted, so it's probably a mute point. But it does feel like you guys are just enough outside that Great Lakes region that maybe sometimes you can dabble with it a little. Yeah, in perfect examples, the Wabash game. Uh, now, the trouble with that is it's a one-game trip. Uh, it's five hours up the road. I uh, played a very, very tough Wabash team. Jack Davidson's a real deal for anybody who has yeah. seen him play. Yeah. And, but it cost us one day at classes and, and, and over $4,000. So uh, it, it's very real. And, and we did get the win, which is going to be great on our resume. Uh, but at the same time, it, it just, it's, it's tough. 
this yeah. stuff, you know, to play. I, I get so many. I send out emails asking people. You know, I'll see on on your D three hoops open dates. Uh, hey, would you like to play? And it's you know six seven hours away. And and I get it when they say, hey, I I just don't think we want to travel that far. So it's just something that those of us in the south we we deal with. We and, deal you, with it. and you're on the northern side of that south. It, it makes for a very interesting mix, as it were. Right. Uh, how far is Lexington? How far is WNL when you made that trip last year? That was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Dave, that, that was a good long trip, a lot was longer it? than I thought it was. Okay. I want to say close to, uh, more, uh, closer to eight hours and seven. Okay. So, yeah, and we went there, Dave. We went there. Now, obviously, we knew WNL was a really good team, but we also knew Cabrini was there. Right. And, uh, you know, it just so happened that Cabrini was not as good as they were maybe five, six years ago. Right, so right. that was part, part of the allure, too. That, and that's the thing with SOS. It's so hard that you may catch a really, really good basketball team that just doesn't have the record that you anticipate. And, and, and that affects you as well. So it just, you know, we all deal with it. We all deal with different, different uh, hiccups in the SOS and – uh, we just try to do the best we can with it. I remember when Transylvania came to the Hoopsville Classic at Stevenson, uh, Brian thought the trip was shorter than it was. Exactly. Uh, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it to some extent. I think my trip to you guys, it was a little further. I mean, I, I yeah. realized what it was, but it was further in my planning stages. I ended up spending right. the night. Um, I did a Hoopsville show on Thursday. I then left that night, drove to Western Maryland, or I may have even gotten in just into West Virginia, Spent the night there and then completed the trip um, because wow. it was I knew it was a little bit longer uh, than advertised maybe or or dreamt of is maybe a better way of saying that. All right, so let's Amen. let's talk about this season. Um, okay. Just two losses. If Case Western Reserve tripped you guys up in game two of the season uh, at their place, seventy nine seventy five. Swanee maybe surprisingly got you guys. I think the, what jumped out at me is they only held you to fifty nine points. Um, right. But you were coming off of a, bo- a game against Boyce. And listen, I, I'm not going to pretend I have a clue who Boyce is. Um, did that have a factor? Or was it just that Swanee got you at the right time, right place? Yeah, Swanee played outstanding. And, and we didn't play very well at all. Uh, it was a good wake-up call for us. And it, it's the week before finals. Yeah. So uh, we, we had a little bit. That's the reason why we played Boyce. We want to keep things close. Uh, we just so happened to go to Swanee. And they just they, they blew our doors off. I mean, it was, Dave, it was... <clears throat> Excuse me. It was as bad a loss as we've had since I've been here, and you know we just uh, we we've gotten better, and I think we're I think we, we're on a winning streak. And if you want to know the truth, I don't know what our winning streak is. I think maybe nine games since that Swanee <laughs> game. So you know you just play each game, and like and like today we just beat Rhodes. And you just go, you know one day at a time, and and, and give your best effort, and and um, and we're doing a good job. We're playing good basketball right now. That's why I'm here. It is a nine game winning streak. Um, you beat Rhodes and Hendricks this weekend. Uh, nearly identical scores, 80 to 58 and 81 to 59. Uh, um, at home, you played the last four at home. The tough part of that though, (laughs) means four of the next six though, are on the road. You will finish at home against Swanee, but you're on the road against Hendricks and Rhodes. And that's probably close to your longest trip in conference. You're home against Birmingham Southern Millsaps, then on the road with Barry Oglethorpe. That ain't short either. You've got some of the toughest part of this schedule ahead of you. Yeah, and that's something in our league that uh, is we're an outlier. We're, we're you know four and a half hours to the north of anybody. So uh, you know we'll get in. Well, Millsaps, uh, we played them two or three weeks ago. We get in at four twenty-six in the morning, uh, and uh, and then going down to Hendricks. Now, luckily, we get to leave a little bit early. Uh, but it's these are nine, ten-hour trips. 
So it's uh, it, it's not easy. And, and the thing with Hendricks, now we beat Hendricks uh, pretty bad on Friday night, but they were without maybe their best player, Jacob Link. And uh, he was back today and had, I think it was 17 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. So Friday night at in Conway is going to be a challenge for us, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, this race in the conference, you obviously learned from last year because it was, oh, Swanee. Uh, that put you guys in the position you got put in in the conference tournament. It's important not only to control things through your gym, make everybody come to you guys, but as a result of that, also try and make sure you guys get into the tournament the easy way, quote-unquote the easy way, and that's when the AQ. So these games may be on the road, but I'm sure the message of last year, while maybe not saying, hey, remember last year, I'm sure the message is, guys, we got to get the job done here. Exactly. And this is, uh, you know, we start four seniors. Uh, this senior group has been, has had a great run so far at center. Uh, two regular season titles, the sophomores and juniors. And, you know, obviously last year we were very, very close to a tournament title and an NCAA tournament berth. And, and, and Dave, this team has won 54 of our last 64 games. So mm-hmm. 54 and 10 and uh, going to be three uh, 1,000-point scores. So it's a special group. They've seen many, many things, uh, you know, led by Perry Ayers and Jacob Bates. And mm-hmm. our, our guys, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. Now, we may go down and be ready, and, and, and Hendricks just outplays us. That's very possible, but uh, it, it's going to be a team that's ready. Jacob Bates leading the way, by the way, um, point-wise at 20.8 points a game. you got four guys in double figures, Art Walker at 11.5. Uh, uh, Dawson Crump off the bench is scoring 10.5. Perry Errors, as you mentioned, 10 points a game. I'll mention Rayleigh ba- uh, Rakes as well at 9 points a game. Uh, they all – contribute on the boards as well Bates at eight and a half boards a game um and I was looking for assist numbers they all dish out the ball too yeah. that yeah, foursome that quad our, is really good yeah I want to say our assist to turnover ratio is is almost three to two as a team and that's that's really really good and you know when you have Jacob Bates uh, I mean this year he's been phenomenal I mean right now very possibly uh, at this point conference player of the year Shooting forty-seven percent from three-point is a is a really good passer. And Davey's only six-five, one eighty-five, very undersized, mm-hmm. but he's uh, he's a tough matchup. And um, you know, two weekends ago we're playing Millsaps, and they have six-eleven, two forty-five, a D one transfer. Uh, and then their other post is six-nine, two twenty-five, a D one caliber athlete. Jacob went for thirty-seven points. Yeah. So uh, he just he's a tough matchup for others. And Carter Bauman, I don't want to forget about him. Uh, he's yeah. playing and starting every single game. He shoots. 45% from the floor, gets five and a half points. But that's the thing that jumps out at me besides what he's shooting. Bates shoots 62%. Nearly everybody else who gets significant numbers shoots better than 43%. As a team, you're 49.4. That's right. staggering offensive numbers in terms of shooting percentages. Yeah, and Dave, that's the big difference between last year and this year is, uh, and not only from two, but from three. We just shoot it much better from the perimeter this year. Uh, like you're saying, 38% three-point, yeah. uh, 49.5. I want to say Bates is shooting like 62 63% from the floor. Yep, and 62. It, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a great story about it. So today, Perry Ayers uh, was in foul trouble, and he was preseason All-American. And um, So we, we played Jalen Williams, a sophomore guard who's happened to have a good day, and Jalen's playing well. And with about 12 minutes ago in the game, Perry comes up to me and says, Coach, let him, let him play another minute or two because I was getting ready to take him out. So that tells you it's a very unselfish mm. group. It's a high-character group. And, um, you know, again, you have to have that to win 54 of your last 64. Uh, Perry Ayers, I'm just saying, could get a sponsorship deal from a sparkling water company out of France. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a great name. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, some milestones recently. You won number 400. Uh, your dad was on hand. They gave you not only the ball for 400, they gave you the ball for 3D3, which is the all-time winningest coach, uh, winningest coach at, at center. We got a couple picks. I'm going to put them up on the, on the uh, video for those who are watching. Um, your dad means a lot to you, obviously, for a lot of reasons, but it must have meant a ton to be able to have him there for you, Coach. Right, yeah. And, Dave, I appreciate you doing all that. And and I do want to say hi to Mom and Dad. They, dad came up and <laughs> bought a steak dinner for me after our win nice. today. And I think they're listening on the way back if they can figure out all the uh, the technology with the phones <laughs> and everything. But, yeah, that, that was special. And I had you know my wife out there and um, a little two-year-old baby girl. Yes. And, and Mom was taking pictures. So just a, just a special moment uh, for our family. And, yeah, 400. I mean, uh, Dwayne Rebo told me uh, recently, one of my mentors, he said 300. 100 uh, means you're a uh, good coach. 500 means you're an old coach. So I, I, I don't know, Dave. I'm kind of right in between. <laughs> yes, I guess I, I'm, I'm approaching old coach, and, and you know, I don't want to do that. But same time, it's it is what it is. But a uh, lot, a lot of great players, a lot of great coaches, and in our president here, I don't know if you if you've ever had a chance to meet John Roush. Um, he, he's the best, absolutely the best. He's retiring at the end of this year, so uh, we, we've had a special run here, and, and want to keep it going. Yeah. Um, by the way, the the picture's great. Your daughter's stealing the show, um, yeah, but I have one. Of, I have one of those. She steals the show often. Uh, right yeah. before this segment, actually, she came down along with her brother to steal the show. Um, Coach, I, I'd love to talk more. I have a feeling we're going to talk to you down the road. Before I let you go, obviously the the goal is clear: go win the SAA and 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 control your own destiny. I get that. Um, but how hard is it to do with all the distractions of life? You, you talking about getting in the, the pool C? Well, just how, how hard is it to, for, the, for your student-athletes, for you and for everybody else, to, to stick with the goal at hand when you yeah. have so many distractions outside of that? Yeah, good question, Dave. And it's, uh, you know, the, the academics here are a challenge. I, I'm always, uh, you know, I, I graduated here in 94, so I have a great deal of respect for what our, what our guys do. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, the Friday night's game is going to be uh, really, really tough. Uh, Hendricks, uh, they'll have Jacob Link back. Uh, if we take care of business there, then we start kind of controlling our own destiny with, with winning this regular season title. And then once we get to the, to the tournament, um, you know, just uh, you, you just kind of, Put your best foot forward and, and hope it's good enough. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And with this group, I really hope it's meant to be because they, they deserve something wonderful to happen to them after what happened last year. Well, certainly uh, fun to chat with you about it. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah. and, and I wish you guys luck. I, I'd love to talk to you more. But you know what? Here's the deal. Go win, and we will be talking <laughs> to you more. Uh, talking about playing in March, which is always important. Yeah. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, hey, hey Dave, one, uh, and I, somebody may have said it already, but I really want to give a shout-out to Pat Cunningham, our really good friend uh, who's done so much for Division Three basketball. He's president in NABC right now uh, for Division Three. He hit 500 wins, I want to say, on Friday. And, uh, I mean, I know Pat's been on here many, many times and just a, just a wonderful coach, wonderful guy. So I want to congratulate him and uh, just uh, really appreciate, again, all you do for Division Three basketball. Well, thank you. I did congratulate Pat earlier, but trust me, you, you have a little bit more gravitas uh, in that category <laughs> than I do. Uh, I, I texted Pat, and he said something about leave me alone. Oh, no, he didn't. I'm just kidding. Uh, 
that's yeah, bad. he's he's hosted me at his house. I, I can appreciate it. Uh, his his love uh, anytime. Um, thanks for the time. Good luck. Safe. Yeah. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Hey, thanks so much, Dave. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. Take care, sir. Greg Mason joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, we'll get our blue read, our blue frame read in here in a little bit. But again, they're on the road at Hendricks, and then Rhodes. That is not an easy trip, but home against Birmingham and Southern and Millsaps and then Barry Oglethorpe on the road. Those are two very difficult trips still ahead of them with a little bit of a home stretch there uh, in the middle, and then they're home against Swanee. So this SAA race is not over by any stretch of the imagination. They've got a game lead on Oglethorpe and Hendricks. You catch the drift. Um, We'll talk more about that conference and all the others coming up next. Bob and Ryan will join me, and we'll talk a little top 25, but mainly we'll dive into the conferences a bit. And we have some questions from you. We'll try and get answered as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division 3. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Whoa. 
I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I was just checking out more questions coming in from all of you. Thank you, Robert. Uh, you got a similar question to somebody else we got via email. Tom asked us a similar question. We'll get to that in just a moment. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, on this Sunday the 19th. Uh, it's a holiday for many people tomorrow, so I hear my kids playing a game with mom upstairs. I'm a little bit jealous. You got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. But again, if you're watching us on the Blue Frame Technology um, portal, whether it's on our show page or it's on the Team One Sports app, don't leave those. Stay there. Just interact with us other ways. All right, so every Sunday we have our Top 25 Double Take and we are joined by the uh, usual suspects. Uh, we'll warn you as we start to bring them in here. Not talking top 25 as much. We'll dabble here in a moment. We're going to talk a little more conference-related. Uh, Interestingly enough, the three of us kind of on the same page with that, despite not talking about it earlier. But Bob Quillman, who you see on screen right, and Ryan Scott on screen left. Gentlemen, welcome in. Uh, I said on Thursday, and I knew I would jinx it, that uh, it had been a quiet week so far in the top 25. Mm -hmm. and Maybe the weekend would get through with it being somewhat quiet. I was wrong. Uh, it was yet another um, ugliness over the weekend in the top 25. You guys were pretty settled in who you felt your top 10 to top 15 teams were, and it was everybody else. Do you still feel that way as we continue to take hits left and right? I'll let, I'll let my esteemed colleague Ryan start on that one, and then I'll jump in. <laughs> So I went back and and this week because of all the upsets I scrapped the ballot entirely I started from scratch today and spent most of the afternoon going back through and I did end up with eight of the same 10 teams I had in the top 10 last week they were a different okay. order obviously but uh, I don't feel too bad about that okay yeah and I'm I'm still in a pretty good place I think the eye-opening ones for me were you know Wittenberg because of uh, the lack of I guess strong games they've had leading up to this one sure. they've had Fairly weak schedule, so that was eye-opening to see the degree that Worcester won that game. Um, although, look, it was at Worcester, which is one of the hardest places in Division Three to, to to win. It's a rivalry game. I think Platteville losing um, to Stevens Point. Uh, I believe that was at Platteville was the part of that one that that surprised me. I need to double right. check. It was it was at home, right? So and that surprised me. And I, you know, the Emory lost today to Brandeis. To me, I just. I put that in the category of like uh, two good teams playing and one of them's on the road and it was a tough game. And I, I think very highly of both of those teams after watching how that one played out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I said this at the beginning of the game of the show about the Wittenberg again, same concerns with the schedule that a, 
I thought they were leaving in the past leading up to that game. And in the last two weeks, I said, okay, okay. I'm starting to see who Wittenberg really is. I'm going to start forgetting this concerns about the schedule thing. And then Worcester beats them 98-86, and it's more about letting up 98 points. I think that's bigger. But I also said at the beginning of the show, listen, it's Steve Moore's last Worcester-Witt game at home. It is at Worcester. I shouldn't be shocked. I, but it's, again, it's the 98 points that gives me the greatest pause, I think, you, in that entire thing. You also have to remember that, that Worcester shot out of, the, out of their minds. I think right. almost and, 70% from the field for right. the entire game. Good point. Um, you know that that's one of those that it's going to be hard to to for anybody to beat them when you're shooting that well. That's a good point. Uh, I, I very good point. Um, sorry, I just got surprised by something. I'm, well, and the sorry, other thing ahead. I mentioned um, just when when we talked about the Platteville loss, I believe uh, Quentin Shields got hurt right at the start of the second half of that game, which is also one of those <laughs> lose your point guard, one of your best players. That's a tough one to to overcome in the moment. Yeah, True. and that was, a, that was a big result, too. When you look at, like, where Platteville sits and where Stevens Point sits in terms of uh, the, the conference and Pool C, these these WIAC games like that one, boy, are, are critically important. So that was a result that will be felt all the way up until Selection Sunday. That was a biggie. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole I, – I was more – by the way, you pointed out Platteville losing a point. I was impressed they then got back and beat lacrosse. At lacrosse. Right, at, at lacrosse. I Listen, I had lacrosse ranked higher, and I kept thinking to myself, well, geez, if they're losing the point, I don't know if they're going to be able to take off lacrosse at, at lacrosse. That told me more. And I'm also more baffled at the fact that Oshkosh just isn't it, – it isn't their season in terms of living at all up to the expectations, even half the expectations of last year. Well, they're they're tied for first in the best conference in Division Three, though, Dave. I mean, right? So, <laughs> look, you, you say not living up to half. I mean, they're living up to about eighty-two percent right now in my book. I mean, they're four and one in the WIAC, and they don't care about Fair. the Carthage game. They don't care about the Emory game. They don't care about the Elmhurst. All, all they're thinking is we're going to be the number one seed in the WIAC, and and that conference tournament is going to come through our building. Fair. And we're going to win. So I don't know, Ryan, in, in my book, like I think Oshkosh is a dangerous uh, animal right now. Yeah, it's one of those, though, that with so many losses, they really have to win the conference at this yeah. point. You know, they're, they're going to take it probably at least one more loss in the regular season. And then if they take another one in the tournament, they're just out. So they're really they really sort of back themselves in the corner, which maybe is going to come for the best. You know, some people respond to that really well. The other one I was just going to mention while we're talking was how impressive Colby was over the weekend. Yes. Um, got to see that. We weren't, you know, their schedule wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great coming in. And uh, then to be able to go and, and get the wins, especially the way that they beat Middlebury, um, you know, that that really was impressive. Um, and it really makes their whole season look a whole lot better right now in perspective. That's that true. was a huge win for Colby because you don't really know exactly what to think of Colby coming into that game. You, you, you've got that one circled. And then when they win that one, all of a sudden it's like validation and, uh, and, and they're positioned very nicely now, like in the region. I think they're probably one or two in the region at this point, and, and they're in great shape. And a team that I, if we were doing, we're not going to do our de, you know, debatable and, and uh, deep dive teams, but if there was one team that I think this weekend would have put them on my deep dive list, it was Brandeis with a win, not demanding win over Rochester, but then to also follow that up with a win over Emory. 
uh, both at home. Um, I, that that Brandeis program has come a long way in 18 months. Let's remember, a little over 18 <laughs> months. Uh, yeah. That that program, you know, Houston uh, cheating scandal uh, in Division Three. What happened at Brandeis was just as shocking. Um, and to, to rebuild that quickly, really impressed. Women are doing well, too, I should point out. But um, they would have been on my deep dive. I'm really impressed with what they do. They're 11-3. and three. They're three losses to WPI Suffolk. Suffolk apparently has beaten everybody. Uh, they beat <laughs> Tufts, and Tufts comes back from those two that, that loss to win two this weekend. Um, and, and they also lost, ironically, to Tufts, did Brandeis. Um, so, you know, good losses outside of the what the heck is the Suffolk thing doing. Um, but so that was going to be my deep dive if we had one. So there are some really fascinating results this week. And I think the thing to remember is the impact of one game. Uh, I was, I was earlier in the day this morning, I was trying to sort out the Northeast region and how it might be ranked. There's 11 <laughs> teams in the Northeast. Some Bless, rank you, son. Northeast. Bless you. <laughs> and I don't have, yeah, I, did, I didn't have Brandeis in my top 11 in the Northeast. I had them like number 12. And then after the game, when Matt Snyder reran his numbers, all of a sudden, I realized that Brandeis is not only ranked, they're ranked like four or five. If you look at yep. what that one win did to their their winning percentage, their SOS, their RRO. And so I think the, the message here for all teams in Division Three right now is one game is so big. Whether you win or lose, the difference between that is, is enormous at this point. I agree. And that's why I think you know, we'd love to see more regional rankings. But let's be honest, if we add one or two more teams regionally ranked in those, and we've seen it, are not even in the conversation two weeks later because one result or two results can shake everything up uh, sure. and change it so dramatically. And that's why the once ranked, always ranked, we thought on paper would make sense and in reality just caused a nightmare. Um, what did it, was it Randolph making? No, it was Randolph had like, no, Randolph Macon had like 22 of their 25 games against regionally ranked opponents as a result of that. Um, some of the questions I got about the CCIW, we will tackle because we're going to jump into that. So we'll hold off Robert and Tom. I will get to those. Um, one quick question, guys. I thought I'd throw at you. A friend of mine, Dan, uh, listening to the show. I'm not sure if he's still tuned in or not. He says, uh, can you rank the decades the best in the UAA basketball? Where does the 1990s rank? My quick reply to him was, I thought the 2000s was the best. The lead-up to what was back-to-back WashU wins was certainly really good UAA basketball, a little deeper than they are in, in recent years. But where would you put – and it's probably a little bit of a fool's errand to hear, but that decade as good as you think it is? Or is there another decade we should be talking about? I would. I just. I remember the late '90s in the UAA where you had the Derek Reich Chicago teams that were ridiculously good, and a little like a little before that when Pat Cunningham was the coach of Chicago. At the same time, a little before that, Washu when they had Kevin Folkel and and some of those, and then you had Rochester, of course. And it seems like the era where Washu won the back-to-back championships, and then there was all these other good teams around them. It seems like the best UAA decade. I don't know, Ryan, if I'm. It's a tough question to get on the fly, but that seems like that that 2000s era was was the, the power. Yeah, I mean that's what it, it it feels like. That was sort of the the end of the UAA being you know sort of indisputably amongst the very top conferences. Obviously, they're still way high up there, but we but we don't maybe fear them as much now as we did back then. But that oh, sure. 90s 2000 period was was really really good. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, 
and and there was a not that there isn't a lore now, but there definitely was a lore then of of the, what the UAA was, and I think it helped that on the women's side you also had Washu who was under Nancy Fay unstoppable. You also had a good team in NYU. Rochester was good. That's what's scary about that conference is they're good in so many different ways, and we've been talking about it. While I'm talking to you, I get a message going, hey, you ought to get my UAA women's coach on the show. I've gotten three others this week about other UAA programs I should get on the show. Yes, they're all good. They give me all kinds of problems because they're in eight different regions. Um, but, yeah, no, that the UAA has always been good. The lore may not be there as much because – we now see so much basketball and there's parody, but um, those 90s seasons were awesome. I, I just thought the 2000 years were <laughs> darn spectacular. Yeah, we, we should say for people today who can see every single D3 game you want, um, except for Penn State Burks, apparently. I tried to watch their game yesterday. They didn't have any live stream going on. But any <laughs> other game that you want to see uh, anywhere, you can see now back then – you know, there was really was this mystique of these teams from these giant schools with great academic reputations flying around the country to all their games. You know, like that was a big deal, um, especially when, you know, you, you sort of didn't see them on the court all the time. Yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. That's a great point. Um, and, and, and one of the bigger reasons we can go back to my rant on Thursday about not hiding your games behind pay uh, behind on demands. <laughs> I am going to stop. Uh, all right, so let's talk. We're going to dive into the conferences here. Uh, it was interesting because I emailed these guys. I said, guys, you know, we always do our usual deep dive and stuff, but I feel like we're going to, A, run out of teams because we can only talk about so many teams. And so let's maybe rotate this. Let's talk about something else. And Bob fires back and goes, hey, let's talk about conference races we should be watching. I'm like, well, that's ironic because my theme's about conferences this week. Um, Bob, I, I, let's. you guys have kind of some topics Softball them. If I got some ideas, I want to jump in there. But I like the list you guys have come up with. I don't know where you want to start necessarily. I've gotten a bunch of questions, so I feel like maybe CCIW men's race, we had John Baines on earlier, is a good one to start with. You got Elmhurst and, um, and North Central tied atop. North Central technically the tie break with one game to play between those two teams. It's a race for six. Thanks to John reminding me of that today. Uh, I just can't keep track of all that. Um, by the time we're done, Bob, it's going to be eight. Just warning you now. Uh, I'm just now I'm bugging Bob. I'm just bugging Bob. Um, and listen, some of the questions are, can Augustana even, you know, where, where do they stand? Are they going to get back in? So many people are used to Augustana kind of running the ship here. Well, and I just realized before we went on that I'm wearing my Elmhurst blue. Uh, well, it's and, nice, and, considering your IWU green last yeah, week. I didn't intend to do that for Coach Baines, seeing as my alma mater and Coach Baines' team play each other Wednesday, but I, I, I digress. <laughs> uh, so the CCIW race, is it, there's there's four teams right now. So Elmhurst is 6-1, and one, North Central 6-1, and one, Augustana is 5-2, and two, Illinois Western is 5-2. Now, if you look at those records, it's almost a dead tie because of where the games have been played. And what right. I mean by that is Illinois Wesleyan is done playing at the two toughest places in the league to play, which is at North Central and Augustana. Now I'm talking the last five years or so. Right, right, right. Um, Historically. If you look at kind of Elmhurst and North Central at this, this point, they still both have to go to Augustana. They both have to come to Illinois Wesleyan. You can kind of go down, and what my point is, is you have four teams that are very, very close in Wheaton is just a game behind at four and three. So the question about can Augustana get back in it, 
they're not out of it. They're to me, Augustana, those four teams, in my opinion, are just about tied, and it's going to come down to games like Wednesday. Illinois Wesleyan, if 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 IW goes to Elmhurst and wins, the race changes dramatically right there. So I think um, too close to telling, and you've got legitimately five teams in it right now, as I see it. Let me. I know if Ryan has a follow up. I'll just ask this. Robert asks, "What does Augustana need to do to beat North Central and IWU to beat Elmhurst?" Well, hold on. What does Augustana need to do to beat North Central and IWU to beat Elmhurst Wednesday for a four-way tie in the CCIW? Because, folks, if you don't know about the CCIW men's race, they like to absolutely make it as difficult as possible and eat their <laughs> own young. Um, can legitimately this year? Let's let's forget how good Augustana has been over the years. Can Augustana beat North Central at their place? And is Illinois Wesleyan good enough the way Elmhurst is playing this year to beat Elmhurst at their place? But both answers are yes, without question. So well, that was look, boring. Yeah, both. both so what does <laughs> what does Augustana have to do? Very simply, they got to they got to pound the ball into their six eleven, yeah. two hundred seventy five right. pound center Micah Martin, who's more of a mid major Division one size guy. Yeah. Uh, North Central center is six foot four. Matt right. Capaldi is six foot four. So the answer to the question is Augie's got to get it into Big Micah Martin. And then they've got to use uh, Pearson Wofford getting the ball and doing what he does, which is spinning in the lane and shooting with his left hand, his right hand, little little 15-footers. And they have plenty of – Austin Elledge is a stud. Um, what does Illinois Wesleyan have to do at Elmhurst? I think the Titans probably have to shoot it well. The Titans are – if the Titans shoot the three well with Keandre Schumacher and Luke Yoder and, and, and those guys, the Titans are a team that has to be clicking and shooting well to play well. But those games could easily go the, the upset route. Ryan, did you have anything to follow up? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say the same thing. Augustine has got to get the ball inside, and Michael Martin has got to be focused and disciplined because that's that's really when, you know, he he's prone to turnovers from time to time, and and he's got to take care of the ball when it's in there. Um, and the same thing, I, I feel like IWU's got a a higher hill to climb just because the strength of those teams is both in the backcourt, um, you know, and and that's it, they've got to beat a team that's got. Uh, maybe a better backcourt than them, maybe the only one that's got a better backcourt than them this year. Yeah. Um, and so that's a harder that's a harder game for them, but, but certainly both winnable. Um, Bob, can Carthage get back into maybe more of the driver's seat here? Is, is things with Baltimore okay, or, or are we seeing this wonderful beginning of the season story starting to dissolve? Um, I think they're going to be hard, a hard out the rest of the way, but – I don't see Carthage. I don't see Carthage really being a factor at the top two. You okay. know, so like they're three and four, and and they're three games out of it in the loss column at this point. I don't think anyone wants to play Carthage with Keenan Baltimore sure. or without Kadrowski is an absolute stud. He's great. Yeah. Um, they're very well coached and they're dangerous. But I don't think Carthage is a factor in the championship picture. They're probably going to make the tournament and be the team no one wants to play in that conference tournament. True. Right. I was going to say this might be the year they really regret going to six teams because you could easily <laughs> be Carthage winning this whole thing. <laughs> it could. It absolutely could. All right. Let's jump into another one. Ryan, I'll go to you. We'll start in the West. Um, this is a race that, you know, we don't we got we got spoiled, sir. The Northwest Conference race is not what we're used to. Um, no, I mean, it, it may end up being what we're used to. Uh, we'll see. Um <laughs> Right, right now we've got three undefeated teams. You know, Linfield, Whitworth, Whitman, all six and zero. Oh. 
they're three games ahead of everybody else. Um, you know, that, that's sort of the class of, of the, the conference. We're used to Whitworth and Whitman, and I, I still think we might be. You know, Linfield is, is going to be punching up to, to, to beat either of those teams, but it's certainly possible this year. Um, and just the fact that, that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen is, is different than what we've had the last few years. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll just quickly say on the women's side of that, that conference, as I said in the beginning of the show, is insane this season. Um, Pacific is on top at 6-0, 12-3 overall. Whitman's at 5-1. Linfield and Willamette at 4-2. George Fox, who's 11-4, is 3-3 in conference. I saw them in Vegas, thought they were definitely a top-five program, and they have not done nothing but stumble in conference since. Uh, and then Whitworth women are nine and six, two and four. Um, that that women's race, by the way, insane, insane. I, I don't know what to make of that. Bob, I'll jump back to you. Uh, if we're talking CCIW in the Central, uh, we got to talk about the WIAC. Speaking of eating their young, the WIAC is known for it. And we were touching on a little bit earlier here. How does this one break down? Yeah, it's this. It's really the same as the CCIW in that you have uh, you have a whole bunch of teams that are right in the middle. So you have Platteville four and one, Oshkosh four and one, Lacrosse three and two, Stevens Point three and two, and then Eau Claire's two and three, River Falls two and three. I think River Falls will be a team that that, that starts to slide out of that picture. But those top five, including Eau Claire, those are all all five of those teams are in a pool C conversation right now. They're, they're all in different degrees of con, you know, contention. Um, I have a hard time handicapping that. I think it changed when Platteville lost at home to Stevens Point, but then they made up for it by winning on the road right. at lacrosse. Right. I still feel like Platteville is the best team, but then I look at that and I think, so you have the defending national champions that still have Flynn and Fravor. You've got Stevens Point that plays probably the, some of the best defense in Division Three. Um, lacrosse has been great from start to finish this season. Um, so I, I don't think you can pick right now a WIAC winner. I, I, if I was betting, I'd bet on Platteville, I guess. It feels like weather in the mid-Atlantic area, but I'm sure other places have this joke. If you think you figured it out, wait 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, or in the case of the WIAC, wait one game, and, and we'll change it all. You're right. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating race, and what I thought was going to happen has gone on its head, but I've had three thoughts this year anyway, so. Um, Ryan, let's jump back to you. Speaking of the West, Mayak race um, on the women's side. I'll touch base on that in a second. But on the men's side, it feels like just when you think you figure this one out, there's some curveballs. But I really like how St. John's is playing. Yeah, St. John's is playing very well. And I think uh, at, at this point, you know, they beat St. Thomas. Uh, it was, it was uh, not as close as you would have expected. I, I think they've clearly established themselves uh, in, in first place out there. The other one that, that Bethel keeps hanging on um, mm -hmm. and and not quite sure what they're going to be doing this year. But, uh, you know, it's one of those that, again, you you may see some Pool C considerations if somebody who's not St. John's or St. Thomas comes through and wins that tournament because they're certainly capable of doing it. Well, that's true. And, and what's crazier is that's a conference that doesn't allow a lot of out-of-conference schedules, but the teams that are serious go out and make – their SOS is solid numbers in that out-of-conference schedule, and they do steal some bids. We've seen that recently. On the women's side, Bethel's undefeated at 15-0, 10-0 in conference. It's a log jam behind them. Augsburg, St. Thomas, who's gotten back into the mix here, and Gustavus Adolphus, all 12-3, all 8-2. Uh, and Hamlin's right behind them at 11-3 and 6-3. And 
four of those teams that I mentioned, all but Hamlin, are in the top 25 in the D3Hoops.com. That's a race that is definitely worth watching. I don't know if Bethel can go through that unscathed, um, but it's a fact that they're all good. That's so fascinating. Um, we, we're used to well, the NESCAC side, but the Mayak is certainly deeper on the women's side than well, we've and, been used to. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say back when Amherst lost that first game, even way back when, I think Massey on the women's side already had Bethel like number three in the country. And I was joking with Gordon. You know, he was saying, oh, I need a new number one. And I said, well, why not Bethel? Yeah. And he kind of laughed at me then, but I don't know that it would be that funny anymore. They've been playing I, really well. I think it's a legitimate argument. If you want to go outside New England for a number one team, Bethel's probably worth a conversation. Um, Bob, we'll come back to you here. Um, ODAC, listen, uh, I think Randolph Macon made a huge statement this weekend holding uh, Guilford to less than 40 points and, and winning, but Virginia Wesleyan's back in this mix. Things have gotten interesting atop the ODAC. Yeah, it's been an interesting race from start to the start of the season when we were talking about who's the top 25 team and, and who are the favorites that you've got. Uh, Randolph Macon is 7 0. They're undefeated in the ODAC right now. Virginia Wesleyan is 6 1. Lynchburg is 6 1. Yeah. And Rope is 5 2. Guilford is not even in the, the right now in the conversation. They're four games back, they're 4 4. But the interesting thing is when you look, holistically at like who are the the pool c candidates right now guilford is very much in the in in the picture still because of some of the good wins they've had so um you know right now it's to me randolph making virginia wesley lynchburg but then if guilford were to go on a run at this point they're still alive here so uh, the odak is another race that's pretty fascinating at this at this stage hamlin sydney's four and three in conference Remember, they, they got rid of Coach Knee in the offseason. This was a program that was in disarray, far from its history. And I'm not saying Caleb Kibro has figured it out. And by the way, if you talk to the rumors, he wasn't their first choice. We can go into that some other time, maybe on the marathon, about how that all debacle fell through. But he's gotten them in the right direction. I'd love to watch where that goes in the future. But, man, that ODAC race is worth watching. Remember, they all go to Salem Civic Center, or almost all of them go to the Salem Civic Center to play. Um, the final three rounds of that tournament. The women's side is is chaotic as well. Uh, back to you, um, OAC race, uh, Ryan. We got a big one coming up, uh, Mount Union versus Marietta on Wednesday. But there's more going on than that. Yeah, I mean, but really, it is second, you know, through eighth for them. They have an eight team tournament. I was looking today as I was going through the ballot. Marietta has only had one single digit game in conference so far. I mean, they have just been dominating the OAC, which is not something you would ever normally say, right? That um, usually that's such a tough conference and it is for everybody else. But Marietta really seems to be strong. This game's going to mean a lot. I mean, if they beat Mount Union uh, uh, with any sort of, of, you know, gap between them, it, 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 you know, they're really going to start running away with this thing. Mount Union, 12-3, and three, the two of those losses coming on back-to-back days at Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. They've lost <laughs> one since. It was to Heidelberg. Um, it, it, I'm fascinated on how that's going to turn around. Um, women's side, it, the race isn't as, as crazy as I thought it would be. Baldwin Wallace on top. John Carroll's in the mix, which is great to see. And Ohio Northern, and then it's kind of everybody else. Um, I know we got a bunch more to get through, so let's see if we can skip along. Um, Bob. ASC race. You wanted to talk about the ASC race. 
It's a good one. It, it, it's a really good one. The ASC is split into a couple different divisions, and, and in one of those divisions, you have a great race at the top between East Texas Baptist at 6-0 and and UT Dallas, my adopted hometown team here in Dallas, <laughs> 10 minutes away. I root for the Comets. That's UT why Dallas, you wanted to talk about the ASC. It, it's actually an awesome race. UT Dallas is 6-1. and one. Letourneau is 4-2, and two, and Letourneau is very much in the, in the South regional ranking conversation. Um, you have Louisiana College 4-2 and two, and Bellhaven 4-2. Then the other side of the division, uh, you have really two teams that are battling there. You have, you, you have Sol Ross State at 5-2 and two, and Mary Harden Baylor, the team that beat Platteville, at 4-3. and three. So to me, when you talk about parity in Division three, remember that UT Dallas beat Stevens Point and Mary Harden Baylor uh, beat Platteville. That is, that is the Division three landscape that we're in, and I think it's, it, it's awesome. And that ASC race, whoever comes out of the ASC is going to be a team that can absolutely advance to a Sweet 16 and an Elite Eight, I believe. Yeah. And remember also we have this, uh, well, and we've been doing it with basketball. We have this this kind of several-year experiment where we don't play conference opponents in the first round. It could at least shake up the bracketing at least a little. We'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, Ryan, well, let's jump. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the way that our schedule works this year, though, does mean we may get a second weekend home game in Texas, too, if we've good got point. one of those teams coming out of there. That's a good point. It certainly shakes things up with a solo game. Um, we're not going to have eight sites. We're going to have eight sites. We're not going to have four. So it could shake. Good point. Right. I, I didn't think of that. Um, speaking of Great Lakes, NCAC race. I mean, we talked about Worcester-Wittenberg, obviously, um, but that, that conference is deeper. Well, yeah, because we, we have Worcester sitting atop the, the conference, but it's still a, a, just because of the tiebreaker with that win over Wittenberg because they've already lost, uh, I think, Ohio Wesleyan. Um, and, you know, Wabash is playing great this year. Allegheny's been really good. Oberlin's been yeah. been, been pretty good. They're, they don't have winning records down there towards the bottom, but those teams have been a lot tougher than they have in the past. It's definitely not a walkover where the top two or three teams like it has been in recent years. That's a good point. With Wittenberg, you know, we've talked a little bit on the, the chat boards and things about their strength of schedule right now. They're sitting, um, their winning percentage right now is .933, which is elite. Um, their SOS, however, is .486, which of any... It's kind of bad. I bet, I bet you of any top 25 team, that is the worst SOS in terms of the criteria used for the tournament. So... They have to play with a little bit of urgency right now and that if they were to drop a couple games, if they were to lose one they shouldn't lose, I think all of a sudden Wittenberg goes from like the number two team in the country to in some trouble uh, for pool three. So I think they've got something just – they've got maybe a little more urgency than Worcester in terms of where they stand on the resume. If they're looking at it that way. I, I mean, who knows if, if teams look at it. I want to see it in a, in a two weeks, maybe see how it's shaked out in two weeks' time with more games. But – I know you're talking about this year. Historically, remember, we were talking about Lancaster Bible could take their first yep. loss of the season in the conference title game and be left out of the tournament as a top 25 program with an SOS that was sub 450. We're not at the same total level there with Wittenberg, but that's the kind of talk we're or the area we're, we're dancing. Um, the and that's where I think the women do a better job where sometimes they reward that win-loss percentage and don't over-inflate the strength of schedule as if that means something about your team's strength. Yeah, in the last three years, no team has gotten a pool seat. If you look at all 62 or, pool seats, as Lester's, it's gotten a pool seat under .500 SOS. Right, well, so, that's period, since it came into existence. 
Yeah. I, so, yeah, if it extends back, that's even more data yeah. that suggests that. And look, Wittenberg's SOS may float up to 0.5 something. Right. So it, it's it's a long way to go. But right now they're they're not as comfortable, probably, as it looks if you looked at our poll, the top 25. I don't want to go down the rabbit did. hole. Go ahead. I was going to say, we do also have to remember they're going to be favored in literally every game they play right through the conference tournament, right. most likely, assuming they beat Worcester in the return. But, um, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. probably not something they're really too worried about more than just winning the next couple of games. Without diving in the rabbit hole too deep, well, maybe we can take advantage of this on the marathon show in a week and a half time. But um, this might be an example, though, of, of, a, of a team and a scenario that breaks the mentality that we've been having on the men's side of how the SOS is so, oh, we need to, we got to keep it. This might be that scenario that helps us break that, that, that scenario. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to stick with you real quick. SUNYAC. Uh, <laughs> I give up. I thought I had the SUNYAC pegged. I, I am done. Yeah, we got four teams with one loss. Brockport and Potsdam are six and one. Oswego and Oneonta are, are five and one. Those four have kind of separated themselves a little bit. They're two games up. Um, almost certainly one of them is going to win this thing, but it's anybody's guess at this point. Um, you know, there's a while you think, you, you know, at the beginning of the season, Oneonta was the favorite, and then everyone, you know, Oswego had some big wins early on, and then, you know, Brockport's always strong. Um, Portland's it, coming just, on strong. Right. It, it, it's just so hard to to – figure out what's going to happen from night to night. And now we're throwing in winter weather and travel and, you know, everything else that happens in upstate New York. So who knows? Well, it's Plattsburgh coming back to earth. Obviously a coaching change there, but also lost a, a talented uh, t uh, senior class, including a talented player. That's also helped kind of break things up. But the Suniac's always been just a hodgepodge sometimes because yeah, winter weather can, you travel to Plattsburgh, you don't want to travel to Plattsburgh, but that can ruin your day. Um, Bob, yeah. Bob, jump back to you, <laughs> UAA. Um, we talked a little bit about it already. You, yeah. is really? this Wash U's? I mean, well, it was, was this Emory's, but now is this Wash U's? No, I don't think it's, I think right now, if you were going to pencil in, like, who's the projected pool A at this very moment, you'd, you'd have to say it's Wash U, I guess, because they're the highest ranked team and they're undefeated in the conference. But Again, I think this is where you have to just look at conference races and say in, in really good conferences, when when the favorite goes on the road to a team that's, let's call it like the number three picked team, Brandeis, let's just say, um, or four, you consider that a game that the favorite's probably going to lose or it's going to be a, a really tough one. So I think all that happened today in Massachusetts is, is that Emory lost a very tough road game against a mm -hmm. very good conference opponent. I don't think it's reason to think that Emory is not every bit kind of maybe 1B, but but I think the race did change a lot because for a while there we were wondering, is Emory going to run away yeah. with the UA? And I think the answer now is you have Wash U, you have Emory, you have Rochester, you have Brandeis. And by the way, Chicago and some of the other teams can beat anyone on any given Absolutely. night. Absolutely. So the UAA, to me, the great thing about that result today was it really kind of turned it into the meat grinder that the WIAC, the CCIW, and all some of these other conferences. I, I love to see that, that it turned into such a competitive race today. The only thing we know about the UAA is it'll be the first automatic qualifier. That's all we know. We That's do. Uh, Ryan, jump back to you. I'll give you a, 
I'll give you a pick, buddy. NESCAC or NUMAC, or do you want to dive and do both? Well, I think the NUMAC is the more interesting one. With the NESCAC, really? playing, playing the single round robin in the NESCAC um, makes it, uh, you know, Colby is 4 no, they're, uh, you know, they've already played 40% of their games. Yeah, you know, true. that's that's a lot less exciting. When you look at Good the NUMAC, though, you have four teams at 3-1. and one. None of those four is Babson. <laughs> um, <laughs> true. You know, you've got Clark coming in and, and winning a big game, and Emerson's winning a big game. Um, f- five teams playing really well in there. Uh, e- e- who knows what's going to happen? And these are not, you know, Springfield, Babson, WPI have all been getting you know, votes this year. Emerson was coming in, but, you know, they were picked pretty high by, by a lot of people. Um, this is a, a really competitive conference, and we've definitely got Pool C consideration in here as well. And don't forget Suffolk. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, his instinct was to bring up Suffolk again. Uh, yeah, no, I, good point about more games, and so it makes the new Mac race more interesting. My only thought about the NESCAC was, Amherst loses again. Tufts seems to write themselves back up after a tough loss. Um, Colby gets the win over um, Middlebury. Bates gets the win over Hamilton. All of a sudden, it's getting ridiculous that that that, that tournament is likely to not go at all, according to anybody who thinks it, it, it will, uh, well, which is getting normal. Well- Right, and I, I feel like there's just a little less drama in these conferences that have eight team tournaments, right? Because you, you're just you're not going to really have contenders that miss out on that opportunity, and so um, you know it comes down to seeding. But even in the NESCAC, that hasn't meant a whole lot in recent years. Um, you know, there's pride in winning the conference, obviously, and setting up your pool C consideration. But uh, just to me, seems a lot less drama going on up there. <laughs> Fair. Um thought there was one more question I was going to throw at you guys, and I am now not finding it, which means either we did it or it wasn't as great a question as I thought it was. Um, yeah, I don't have it, so I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, top 25s, uh, Ryan's admitting he's uh, scrapped his and started over, done a lot of that yeoman's work. Uh, Bob, where do you stand on, on the ballot that's due tomorrow? I think the one last week I, I was sort of in scrap it and start over mode. And this week, I think I'm still okay with where I was last week. I got to move a few teams around a little bit. I, I think, I think Wittenberg is going to fall very uh, significantly for me. I, I was one of those that had him way, way up high. I think I'll probably have him more around the, the 10 or 11 range. And other than that, I don't think there's drastic things coming. A lot of these losses um, I, I try to look at, is it a conference game? Is it on the road? Um, you know, so I'm, I'm trying not to overreact to, to the big wins and losses at this point. I feel pretty good about where I'm at on my ballot heading for tomorrow. Found the question from Brendan. Sorry, Ryan, real quick. Unfortunately, you had to miss much of the show, which is not an excuse in my book. <laughs> it says, uh, are any of you voting for St. Norbert in the top 25? And do they have a, well, I'll follow up with the second one in a minute. Any of you guys voting for St. Norbert? I know I've, I've uh, I don't think I am, but I've had them on my radar. I wanted to see a few more games. But I could be I, wrong on that. I voted for St. Norbert, and and what anchored it for me, a lot of seasons St. Norbert has come out of there with a really gaudy winning percentage and a very weak schedule. But the fact that St. Norbert you know, went and played and beat, yeah. uh, was it Oshkosh? I need to pull up. Beat Oshkosh. And, and did they beat Eau Claire? I think they, they beat Eau Claire. They did. Yes. So two of the teams, so the WIAC uh, co-leader, Oshkosh, they yeah. beat. And Eau Claire, that has all kinds of good wins and is very much in the Pool C conversation, those wins, to me, 
made me look at St. Norbert. And when I look at them, I think their losses are to maybe is it Elmhurst and Benedictine, yeah. something like that, yeah. right? Both yeah. on the road, first two games of the season. Right. They haven't lost since it, November 16th. <laughs> Elmhurst and Benedictine are two of the, the highest ranked teams in, in the central region if we were to try to aggregate that today. So I'm voting for St. Norbert. I can't remember exactly where, but uh, I also think they're in pretty good shape on Pool C. If you look at their winning percentage, they they once have a an SOS now that's really good. Usually they have a bad one. I think they're getting to be in pretty good Pool C shape if they. Yeah, that was that was the follow up. Any chance at Pool C if they don't get the Pool A weak conference strength, but they played some interesting non conference games first. I think the conference strength has improved a little bit. But you're right, they went and challenged themselves. I've got them at 16 by the way on last week's ballot. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm impressed with what they've got going on there. I've, I moved them up considerably from last week to this week just based on the, the record they have. And now that everybody else is losing, it's looking better and better. Right, that's true, too. And uh, you've got, you know, the conference has improved. Lake Forest is pretty good. Monmouth, even even um, without Carius playing, is, is still a pretty solid team. Um, and they're winning by a lot, right? That's yes. the other thing. Often St. Norbert has had, you know, a, a mixed conference record or they've had a lot of close games in that conference, but they are... They are dominating right they're, now, they're, and that's, a, that's North, a good sign. The, they're an 867 winning percentage, and their SOS is .554. That is a, wow. a, that's a f- incredible resume right there, that, and, and they've got some good wins. So to me, St. Norbert is in a good spot, and, and as, a, as a CCIW, IW fan, Pool C watcher, I'm like, please, St. Norbert, just win that conference tournament because I feel like they're not, and, you know, like some other team's going to win it. Lake Forest is going to win it, and St. Norbert's going to those, those those bubble bursters, right? Because I think they're in a great spot for a pool C. Yeah. Um, is, is this where you say you don't you don't want Will Carius getting better? Is that the? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to win their tournament, please, Saint Norbert. I'm your biggest fan. Just win the MWC. Be awesome. Um, Saint Norbert's resume. Back to that. Four games against Wisconsin schools. A win over Eau Claire. A win in overtime against Oshkosh. A win over Superior. I realize. That might be the outlier, and it went over Stout. What's more impressive, they got them all at home. <laughs> they got all four of those games around the holidays at home. Uh, hats off to them. Definitely went out there and challenged themselves a little bit better. And and uh, I like. I, I'm surprised they're 25th. If I'm voting 16, I know you guys are voting. I think maybe those voters are still lingering on on some of that stuff. But if they continue winning, uh, now that 554 might fall a little bit as they get back into conference play. But I don't think it's going to fall into danger levels uh, at all. So that's that's good to see. Uh, guys, as always, we went long, but I appreciate the time and the and the uh, and all that to join me on the show. Uh, final thoughts as we head into another crazy week of Division Three, and, and Ryan, I'll lead with you. Uh, no, just looking forward to another great week. Um, uh, great games happening. We got Whitworth Whitman's coming up this week. Um, we've got Randolph Macon headed to Virginia Wesleyan. Um, you know, just, just more great basketball that's going to show us more about, about who's ready to play. Yeah, Bob, your thoughts? I would just go where Ryan uh, went earlier in the show, which, which is that you have an opportunity to watch every every game. You know, so I spent some time today watching that Brandeis-Emory game, and you learn a lot about teams by watching them. And so everyone's got a great opportunity um, in your free time to pull up some of these games in parts of the country that you – would never watch, you know, watch a SUNYAC game, watch a game in the ASC, watch a game in the MIAC, the, the Northwest Conference. Um, it's pretty fun to see some of the places that you don't know much about. So I would just uh, say take advantage of that. It's awesome. Awesome. Hey, guys, thanks as always. Really appreciate the time and uh, enjoy the week. And I'll look forward to talking to you down the road.
All right, guys. Thank you. That's good. Ryan and Bob joining me on the uh, Top 25 Double Take. More of a conference take, as it were, but there's so much good stuff going on in the conference. It was definitely worth it. I really appreciate the time they took to join us on the show. We're going to wrap things up, though. Um, If you have any final absolute last-second questions, get them in now. Uh, Again, new Top 25s come out uh, tomorrow evening. Um, I think on the women's side, you're going to see some shaking up. On the men's side, I mean, we're... It's constant, right? Oh, by the way, quick note. Um, craziness. Sam Hargraves beat his former team um, on a layup with 0.3 seconds on the clock. Um, I, I did mean to get that in. Uh, Jeff just didn't have a real good spot to put it in. So on the men's side, you know, you've got three losses or f- three losses in the top five. I think Middlebury will fall and Colby will take a big step up. You're going to see Emery maybe take a hit. I don't think it's hard as a hit as Wittenberg and Middlebury will take. Platteville, who knows what to do with them. Um, and then you've got some others here where it gets interesting. And, and it's also the fact that the receiving votes category took a hit as well. On the women's side, I'm going to be blunt. I know Tufts is the number one team, and I know they beat Amherst in overtime, and it was at Amherst. But I'm not – I don't know if Tufts is the number one team in the country. Maybe it's Bowden, though. Bowden hasn't gotten that true test yet. Maybe it's Hope. Um, Hope is dominating the Mayak, but Hope doesn't exactly have a great resume. Um, not when he played Benedictine twice. Bethel is sitting in 13th and undefeated. If they're not in the top five this week, I think we need to have a conversation because I think their resume is better than DePause. I think it's better than Whitewater's. I think it's better than Wartburg's. It's better than Transylvania's. Uh, it's better than Loris, and it's better than, than Mary uh, uh, Baldwin-Wallace. I think Bethel deserves to be in your top five, and I'll be fascinated. I don't vote in that poll, but I'm fascinated to see how that turns out. So that's going to do it for us tonight. I'm just checking real quick to see if any of you jumped any last-second questions to, for us. By the way, Travis, John, I did see your note about Potsdam's leading score not being back, but I don't think at this point that's a factor. Um, here's, let's see. Uh, first off, Thursday we'll be on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We will talk primarily East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West, and we will have our WBCA Center Court segment. One of those segment, one of those um, regions is going to ha- get possibly dropped, but we're going to have to figure that one out. I, I got to go back and look at my notes. Got a lot of good teams we have on the docket possibly to get on that show. Next Sunday show, 7 o'clock Eastern time as normal. Then January 30th, and I can't believe we're almost there, we will have the marathon show. Right now I'm, I'm betting 12 to 8, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time will be mainly segmented. We got guests. We're going to go out and Make the push this week to get those booked, get those guests on, and then the eight and after will be kind of be our free-for-all show, depending on how we do with guests. Um, also, a reminder, convention is this week, the NCAA convention. We will try and talk more about it on Thursday, which just adds to what is already going to be a full show. But we'll try and talk more about Thursday, about what's going on. I do have my pulse on some things that are important, including new region setup, moving Ford starting in 2021, for, right? Let's see, 1920, 2020. Yeah, so the 21-22 season would be the new regional lineup. I think the last hurdle, as it were, will happen this week. I think it gets over that hurdle for the most part, um, and then it's a rubber stamp after that, in my opinion. But there's other things up, too. So we'll get maybe a little bit of a tap dance into that, but we'll definitely talk about the – what it what did happen at the convention in more depth, we hope, on the marathon. 
then Super Bowl Sunday, we will not have a show. We'll have it, the show the next day. I think I've done it daytime, but I'll double check if it's not an evening show, but we'll figure that out. We'll just stay with us on, on social media and such as we keep you up to date on all of that. And that should do it. Um, there, I gave you time in case anybody had questions uh, to get anything in, and I think we're done, which is great. Uh, I want to thank our guests um, for coming on the show. We had an absolutely awesome show. Really appreciate everybody coming on the show. From Rhode Island College Women's Basketball, Jenna Cosgrove. I want to th uh, from Elmhurst, it was John Baines. And from Center, um, Greg Mason. also want to thank their SIDs, Kevin Judy at uh, Elmhurst. want to thank him. Scott at, at Rhode Island College, Scott Gibbons. Appreciate his time. And, of course, from, uh, from um, who am I forgetting? What's, uh, Center, Kyle. I want to thank Kyle from Center for his help. And, of course, the coaches for coming on the show. We'll be off the air until Thursday. I hope you enjoyed the show. Or if you listened on demand, hope you enjoyed it that way or through the podcast. You've been listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology. If you're looking to upgrade your web streaming experience, especially using production truck software to stream your events, make sure to give Blue Frame a call or check them out online. Blue Frame Technology can be found at blueframetech.com. They are a rapidly growing and certainly successful streaming platform, but the software, production truck software, something we use a lot and Hoopsville has been using as well. We hope uh, you, you give them a call to for your streaming needs or your production truck needs, whatever the case may be. Tell them we sent you along. Uh, that does a long way to help. They also are, are in, um, and what's the word I want to use? They are instrumental as well with our um, streaming capabilities, especially on Team One Sports. You can either watch us on the Team One Sports app, teamonesports.com slash hoopsville is our um, our main home, as it were, for video. You can also watch us on Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. So you get to see my big face on the big TV, as it were. We want to thank our friends at Blue Frame Technology for their assistance. Again, blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. So again, Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Then it's the marathon on the 30th. Then we're off for Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be on the air on that Monday show instead. Um, there is a Thursday show coming up that we have to figure out. The reason we're doing the marathon on the 30th is because the next Thursday, uh, I am busy with basketball games, and there may be some other challenges, but we'll figure them out as well. So that'll do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you back here Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Once again, thanks to our partners, D3 Hoops, WBCA, NABC, Blue Frame Technology, and any of you out there who want to support us as well. Some of you asked about fundraising capabilities. I think before the marathon, we will get something up and running regarding that as well. That'll do it. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy some basketball, and we'll talk to you on Thursday night. Good night.